when he says folks, that would be the key word for the message. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Sunday, October 30th, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 352. This is No Agenda. Bracing for the Euroquake here at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where overmodulation is the theme, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Am I overmodulating on you? No, every time you know we're chatting away and I we start the show and then all of a sudden it <laughs> goes I start, from I start it to talk loud. the needle I gotta go oh god I gotta uh, this thing down well we've only been doing it for 352 episodes so by now you should have learned no the, the, oh, okay well in the morning to you John C. DeVore I always assume everything is the same and in the morning to you Adam Curry all ships at sea and boots on the ground feet in the air and balloons in the uh, sky <laughs> and drones over Texas and, of course, oh, yes. uh, the human resources in the chat room who have shown up for this lovely Sunday, our Halloween weekend. Uh, of course, all of you are depreciating uh, rapidly. Uh, although with inflation, I think, uh, actually, we might all be reset back to our $9.2 million value. And you can find uh, them in the chat room, and you can join them every single Thursday, Saturday morning. Uh, please adjust for your uh, time zone. Noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net, which is, I guess, uh, Gitmo Nation East adjusted their time today. Which I'm sure somehow is screwing the Occupy Wall Street people. Well, what's screwing the Occupy Wall Street people is the uh, is the the weird and I guess it hasn't happened for 200, 300 years a snowfall in October. <laughs> yeah, you know it. it Global warming. N- well, you can call it that. Measles. I think not. Or maybe just someone said, "Hey, turn on the machine. Give these guys some snow." <laughs> you know, weather modification is nothing new. That's totally possible. The Chinese made it snow during the Olympics, or they blocked the snow during the Olympics. They made it snow somewhere else. Why wouldn't they do that? Why wouldn't they do that? Because they can't. Not what? You can make it snow. Making it snow is easy. Make it snow in Africa, then. <laughs> well, within reason, you can make it snow, okay? Although, uh, it doesn't make any sense. In fact, I think quite the opposite. I think what we're seeing here is... The uh, Obama administration actually um, pushing back on all of the mayors. That's why the mayor of Oakland had to come out and apologize. Because Obama, or I guess Valerie Jarrett, let's just call her President Valerie, uh, she said, this is a really good theme. This is a really good idea. We need to to, uh, connect with the people on the street. Barack, Barack, here, do this for your weekly YouTube address, Barack. Say this. Say this. this. A new economic report confirmed what most Americans already believe to be true. Over the past three decades, the middle class has lost ground, while the wealthiest few have become even wealthier. In fact, the average income for the top 1% of Americans has risen almost seven times faster than the income of the average middle class family. There you go. Taking the the 1% meme and using it. It's pretty, yeah, pretty it blatant. Works. Pretty blatant. I mean, the president is just going to keep harping on this. It's going to have its effect, and you're going to end up with uh, more taxes. But the joke is, of course, there'll be more taxes for everybody. Uh, so I've been following what the president has been doing because uh, there's a lot of dissent everywhere now, and uh, it's just kind of fun to watch the, you know, it's kind of like a flailing arms in the river there. And this we can't wait thing is, you know, this is a little bit out of control. Uh, for What's ca- the rush? 
Well, he's well, he's King Obama now, and uh, you know he's he keeps saying the same thing over and over again. Well, if Congress can't do it, I can. I'm going to do it. We can't wait. We can't wait. We can't wait. We can't wait. Somehow, though, they found time this week to debate things like whether or not we should mint coins to celebrate the Baseball Hall of Fame. Hey, 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 hey! That's my gig, Obama. Stop, stop, stop watching C-SPAN. I was all ready to harp about that. Yet he takes that from us. Was Why me. would he take that from us? Why would we even bring it up? Who cares? There's always somebody <laughs> arguing about what kind of coin we should make. Well, he tied it into this. And meanwhile, they're only scheduled to work three more weeks between now and the end of the year. The truth is, we can no longer wait. We can no longer wait. We just can't wait. He had Have you it. looked at that jobs bill? It's 165 pages I, of everything except... Yeah. This is typical. It's called the jobs bill. I don't see the jobs part of it. Well, no, there's it's only... new FCC regulations, new slum housing rules. <laughs> High-speed I mean, rail. People should go get this thing and read it and t- tell me where the jobs creation or, is. Or just go back to, uh, what was and it, just maybe... just call it the jobs bill. It's bullcrap. Maybe three, four, five, maybe six episodes ago, uh, we dissected the entire thing. And uh, you're right, it's filled with uh, uh, bennies for the banks to uh, to buy uh, foreclosed homes really cheap uh, and rent them out. It's uh, filled with uh, high-speed rail crap. Uh, the only thing that's a jobs bill, which is, it, and, and to his credit, he's saying, you know, pass this bill and then we'll get uh, people back to work. Yeah, government people, because essentially it's like, let's pay the teachers, let's pay the firefighters. Uh, but that's government money, so it's not really creating anything other than, you know, like Obama jobs. And by the way, even though I have mailed to find it in there, I know there's got to be. There's a huge problem going on. Nobody wants to talk about. These banks have foreclosed and own all these houses, right? Mm-hmm. They're not paying taxes. Where's the property taxes being paid on these houses? The banks are, are paying IOUs. They're saying, oh, we shouldn't have to pay the property taxes. There's a huge property tax liability that the banks own, and they're going to try to slip it to the buyers or whoever they dump these properties on. Huh. But the fact of the matter is they're in arrears on many of these properties, and I think people should start going down to City Hall or, or the county offices or wherever it is and find these and, and insist that there be tax sales like they do with any other property. If I own back, owe back taxes on my property, after about two or three years, they get sick of it and they put the property up for auction. This is already getting to the point where these the properties should be auctioned for pennies on the dollar if these banks won't pay their taxes. I didn't realize that. Do they not oh, have, yeah. they not have to or they're just not doing it? They're not doing it. Of course they have to. If you, if property tax is property tax. You own property, you have to pay taxes on it. Huh. Well, that's not right. No, of course not. It's another scam. <laughs> that's enti- Wait a minute. We're getting screwed. That's not right. Hmm. You want to hear... When I see these banks start loaning money again, jack up the property tax rates and make them pay or put the properties on the auction block. That'll that'll loosen up some purse strings, but nobody's doing that, are they? No. Ooh, John, you sound a little angry about all this. That's ridiculous. Why do I have to pay property taxes? The bank takes over a house down the street. Why aren't they paying property taxes? Oh, we'll pay later. <laughs> it's because they're uh, I don't know because they uh, they they're donors. You're a boner. They're donors. They donate to the president, and they get to do what they want to do. Remember that uh, douchebag Russell Simmons? Yeah. And uh, he was one of the first people to, to come out and, uh, 
and say and sit with the uh, with the Occupy Wall Street people, and he's like talking all this. Attacks me. He, he, he do, came out. Yeah. Do you know that he is actually a bankster? Uh, wouldn't surprise me, but no. He has something called the Rush Card, which is uh, one of these completely. It's almost like the Kardashian card, which never made it to market. He has one of these uh, debit cards, prepaid debit cards, uh, <laughs> which. Um, Let's see. You pay nine ninety five a month. Has a one time activation fee of three ninety five. It could be up to fourteen ninety five, depending on which kind of card you choose. A two dollar fifty ATM withdrawal fee after that. After you use your two count them two free withdrawal uh, period uh, withdrawals per month, and then it has um, uh, all kinds of uh, penalties if you you know if you because of course you can't really overdraft a debit card, but if you do it. Uh, so if you know if it's, you got like twenty bucks in your account and you try to charge thirty, then you get a twenty five dollar penalty fee. This guy is is just one of the douchebags. And Fortune magazine a while ago actually confronted him before all of this started. Before he sat down and was chanting at Occupy Wall Street, they confronted him about it. Uh, you were talking about your financial services company yeah. um, and the prepaid debit card. Tell me a little bit of what's another word for financial services company? Isn't that like bank? Yes. <laughs> about how you react to some of the criticism that the card has received over fees. Well, first they're uneducated. They're uneducated. Those people who criticize the card. They're just dumb. And they're wrong. They're wrong. In, regarding. He sounds like Mike Tyson. Yeah, it's fees. Yeah, he has a Mike Tyson sound. Total. I would. J.P. Morgan's report. Oh, I, because we all read J.P. Morgan's report. Says that to run uh, my account, a Unirush account. And Unirush. <laughs> Unirush. <laughs> cost about $200 a year. Oh, really? And to run a free bank account, it cost about $400. How does, that, how does a free bank account cost you $400? <laughs> I have no idea. I never this heard of J.P. Morgan report. This cost only costs $200, $200 a year with Unirush. A year. A year. And, and so that's, you know, there's a mis... Uh, it's easy for you know the bigger uh, companies uh, uh, to want to dump on us, but they're <laughs> migrating from the banks to our business. Oh, yeah. Our uh, business. It's... Uh, it's very inexpensive. <laughs> it builds credit. You can transfer your money card to card. You don't have. By the way, it doesn't build credit. A prepaid debit card does not build credit. That is an out an outright lie. Go to Western Union and spend a fortune. What you don't have to get online and check cash in place. At first, again, it was at first it was for underserved communities, oh. sixty million people who absolutely. Then we saw the business and we said, "Hey, let's screw the under the underserved people. Let's go make some money. Saved a fortune." by having a rush card. But as technology evolved and the prices went down, then we find ourselves way cheaper than the banks. Oh. We don't have a brick and water. We have technology. We got technology. <laughs> we got technology. So the guy's just a shill. He's just a douchebag shill. And he should be called out. I bet she's not going to go down to Occupy Wall Street anymore. I would suggest that uh, 90% of the audience doesn't even know who he is. Russell Simmons? Of course our audience knows who he is. Mm, I'm, oh, I'm, please. I'm skeptical. Oh, please. Russell. You've been in the music business all the time, and you think everyone knows who Russell Simmons is. Oh, come on. Everyone, <laughs> GX2 in the chat room is like, who is this guy? <laughs> all right, Russell Simmons was a huge impresario. He's like huge in the music business. All right, well, my daughter knows who he is. He's also a tastemaker. He's basically the one who's promoted the, you know, showing your underwear, low-riding pants, right. uh, yeah. that baseball cap that's on sideways, all that stuff's from him. I mean, I mean, people have heard of Def Jam, haven't they? I mean, people know it. Yeah, Def they've Jam. heard of Def Jam, yeah. so? 
So he's Russell Simmons, the guy who started well, Def that's, Jam. Nobody pays attention to that part of it. Speaking of which, um, the new book, I Want My MTV, the uh, unedited history of music television, came out, or it's coming out tomorrow, I think. And I got a copy, and I was interviewed for the book. And uh, the No Agenda podcast uh, is mentioned uh, in, the, in the book. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so we should see a big, like, a whopping, like, $50 donation coming from that. <laughs> <laughs> if that. It was a fun read, though. It's pretty good. What's the best dirt in there? Um, well, it's all good dirt. The way they did it is, I, I haven't really ever seen this. They Essentially, they interviewed a lot of people. I know they interviewed me for like five hours and recorded it all on tape. And they, they transcribed it, and they just put all these quotes one after another for 600 pages about different topics. And uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's a long read. But it's uh, they had my quotes right, so I presume they did everyone else's quotes right. And uh, as it turns out, uh, what I suspected, I now know for sure, that I was fired from Headbangers Ball thanks to Axl Rose and Doug Herzog. Axl Rose got me fired. Why? Because his uh, his heroin buddy was Ricky Rackman, and uh, of course Ricky Rackman has no talent. And then Axel, they were look, watching me on Headbangers Ball, and Axel says, "Hey man, wouldn't you want to be a VJ?" And uh, he said, oh, "Don't worry, I'll make a call." And of course, you know, Axel Rose calls MTV; they're all blowing him. And then, <laughs> like twenty four hours later, I was off the show. Hold on. That's deplorable. <laughs> That's totally deplorable. I fought to get Guns N' Roses played on the channel. No one wanted to play it. And that's my thanks. So you, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's you really, <laughs> got them to play Guns N' Roses, made them so successful, at least on the channel, that they could call up and have you fired. Yes. Well, there's a difference. Oh, that's pretty ironic. Well, there's a difference between Guns N' Roses and Axl Rose. I mean, Axl Rose is a, is a maniac. I don't think the guys in the band actually like him. But yeah, they, no, it's true. Guns and, uh, MTV would not touch Guns N' Roses. They're like, yeah, yeah we can't play this. He's, in, he's got a video where he's getting electrocuted in an electric chair. And I'm like, yeah, play. And then, we, and then they started playing him, and then uh, he got me fired. <laughs> <laughs> Serves you right. And look at where I am now. <laughs> Serves you right now. You're <laughs> now you're doing a beg for money podcast and it, that's getting I got no traction this week. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. What happened? We fell into a hole. Did our show suck so bad last week? It must have because we have one. We should might, might as well get to that point and, and mention our one lone executive producer. Holy moly, yeah. Who's not even an American. We don't have a, we have a huge American audience and not one person in the United States or Canada for that matter or the UK where they speak some English. Uh, even <laughs> some thought some to, version uh, of it to help us, but we do have Dick Modro of uh, Joondalup, uh, Western Australia, who uh, came in with two hundred thirty-three dollars and eleven cents. I might as well read his note. Yeah, please do. Well, he, he'll be the executive guy. producer for today's show. Everyone else gets nothing. Greetings once more from the land of Oz. I suspect John had trouble reading my previous note due to my considerable lack of punctuation, a sore point of many of my teachers in the past. So I find myself donating once more sooner than I thought, as the 
mean propagating. There's the meme propagating. By the way, it's M E M E for people who want to know how to spell yes, that. Yes. Propagating through the internet about my adultery is growing, and I'm concerned the Secret Service will <laughs> soon be on me. Oh, wait a minute. This is the guy. Well, he had he wrote he wrote a weird note, and I said, well, so he's an adulterer, and and now he's trying to, I guess, recarmalize himself to. Uh, to get off of that, that is that is bad mojo. I apologize. Could I please have a D douche to clean my philandering? <laughs> and he wants some karma as well, right? Should we do a double, yeah, give him a du- double. double shot here? Okay. <laughs> You've been D douched. You've got karma. I think I blew out everyone. You know, it also allows me to live a pure, more transparent lifestyle. Just to explain my adultery, it is my wife that became suspicious first. As every three to four nights, someone sends me a message on my uh, iPhone, usually at midnight, Australian. <laughs> time allowed in the morning greeting adam's bat signal on the oh, na iphone app it was oh. easily explained to her and i thought for a good good it was good for a laugh but turned into a full-blown adultery by adam <laughs> i'm so sorry oh well he was unclear i didn't understand what was going on well he's a little more clear this time in other words well you know what but he's happily married you should be happy because because of my uh, my horrible faux pas at least we got some money yeah, which is part of our model. It's part of our model for Halloween. Hey, we insult our listeners so they donate again. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Maybe it is. Well, let's like, let me get a list of all the other adulterers <laughs> yeah, yeah. of the show. Just call them out. Hey, you're an adulterer, man, bastard. <laughs> donate to Who make even uses good. that word. <laughs> well, only adulterers would know. The man I guess. is an adulterer. <laughs> so Clinton would be one. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Hillary's an adulteress. As well. I mean, we don't know it for a fact, but we can kind of guess. Well, that's what everyone says. Could be wrong. Maybe well, she's a, she could be a chaste. Well, we do uh, appreciate your uh, support once again, uh, Dirk. Thank you so much. And, of course, you will receive the title of executive producer. For those who don't know, an executive producer title on the No Agenda Show is just as valid as one on uh, uh, Hawaii Five O or uh, Special Victims Unit CSI. I mean, it's it's all the same because what you do is uh, you get to uh, uh, support the the episode and you get a credit for that. The only difference between us and Hollywood is, unlike the phonies in Hollywood, we'll vouch for that credit if you call us about it. And also, unlike Hollywood, you don't get to bang any chicks because we don't have any. Because that's kind of the that's kind of, <laughs> Well, it's true, isn't it? I mean, when you're an executive producer in Hollywood, you get the you know the you get to help cast and all that stuff. You get to do I all the cool it, stuff. No, a lot of these guys are just money guys. I mean, they don't do any. They don't get that opportunity. They, I think there's a lure. Ooh, look what you might be able to do here, and they bring in the starlets. And you know, I don't think they're every executive producer that works on Law and Order. And there's like dozens and dozens of them are screwing the uh, the hot the help. Oh, yeah, spoken like a man who has not lived in Hollywood, dude. After well, after true. two you years, now I mean, I agree, but it just doesn't make sense to me that no. there'd be that much action. It would be, I think, it'd be more photos. You have no idea. Everyone's got these phones now. You think you'd have a shot? Oh, of you have no Dick idea Wolf with some some girl. Yeah, it's out there. It's out right. there. Speaking so of speaking of Hawaii, it's basically a bang. Well, let me get it's this a bang straight. fest. Yeah, it's a bang fest in Hollywood, and <laughs> yeah. you're moving to Austin, Texas. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get nothing here. I got to get me some Texas girls and boys. Being by curious, uh, you know, I read an interesting theory about Hawaii Five O, which of course is is a horrific show. I mean, it's horrible. And you <laughs> you were all over it in the beginning, and yeah, and it's still on. And, yeah, it's astonishing. <laughs> well, the theory was that because all of Hawaii 
uh, all of the elites there and government. This is now. This is just not 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 my theory, but I read it and I really liked it because they have all participated in the cover up of Barack Obama's uh, birth, his non birth in Hawaii. Oh, that this, this was that this was payback by uh, not only putting Hawaii Five O on the air and making them look so awesome, but by keeping it on the air where it has doesn't deserve to be on the air at all. And I thought it was a pretty good theory. And I kind of liked it. Like, well, it could be right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we have a couple of PR initiatives. People always. Oh, check by the in. way, I want to mention the people that, that to help. We need some more help than yeah, we, we got do. this week, and we I do. would appreciate the people, especially with the truckers driving twenty four seven and listening to our show all the time. Dvorak dot org slash na. Please go and uh, continue uh, to or bring up the numbers a little bit. Jeez. Well, also uh, something we didn't mention, and I'm hoping that people are just saving up. Um, uh, Friday. Uh, in a week is eleven eleven eleven. Tomorrow yeah, and, and Tuesday is eleven one yeah. eleven, which is one 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 one. Right. So we have a number of eleven 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 campaigns uh, at dvorak.org slash na where you can help support the show. What we have noticed in the past is that these uh, the numerology uh, is interesting. People like it, and uh, there is a belief that karma comes to you from uh, surrounding yourself with these numbers. I'm not saying that. That's not a selling point. In fact, it's quite a weak one. But um, we'd appreciate it if you consider that to help us out. Let me program your mind for a second. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Certainly those of your kids who are listening, because I know they're singing it all day. Also, there's some evidence. The uh, I don't want to bring this up again and again, and this will be the last time I bring it up about this this. This error in judgment we made by giving the USC football team karma so they could beat Notre Dame. Yeah. That karma continued to last, and they were beating the— No. It continued to last. No. And they were almost—they were at the point of beating Stanford, and then the karma ran out. It looks like it lasts about a week— Oh really? And, is that it? Yeah. And about and about and about three hours because they were winning the game, and then all of a sudden the tide turned and the karma disappeared, <laughs> and they fumbled their way to a loss. And I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. So if you're gonna, so the karma has a short term duration. Okay, that's, so a, a week and three hours. That's about the duration. something like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good. No, it's good. That's good intel, John. Thanks. <laughs> the uh, PR initiatives today are, uh, in some cases, uh, domain names that are forwarding to noagendashow.com. We have uh, newamericanspring.com forwarding to the show. Another uh, drone domain, stonesdrones.com. Uh, here's one, americatheenslaved.com. These aren't really all that easy uh, to remember, but it's you know, the, the whole idea is you have a domain name, and uh, when you're talking to someone, you want to remind them that, you know, like you say, noagendashow.com. Most people forget that. But if you say something like uh, yougotkarma.com, which is now also forwarded yeah, to the show. Yeah, or one, two, three, you suck. Or, or here's one for you, John, whoreprestitute.com. <laughs> At least I think that's registered because of your outburst. Whore. What did I say? <laughs> Oh, I called somebody a whore. Yes, a whore prostitute. Or, or is it it would say on the uh, surprise, a whore. Whore, a whore. Hey, we have something really cool, though, and I want to thank uh, our producer, Alex, who went through a lot of trouble to create a No Agenda Roku channel, and he didn't just create, because you can create a channel that, uh, you know, that you can point people to on a website, and then there's a code and all that, but now we're actually in the uh, in the channel store under News and Special Interests. And it's uh, it's actually quite cool. Uh, and uh, the minute uh, you and I started tweeting about it, I think it got like uh, 
40 immediately. Now he's up to 100 installs. Uh, so, it, so it has all the back catalog, all of the all of the episodes with the art, and also the live stream. So you can just uh, flip on the live stream on your television with uh, on your Roku, which is great. I, th- I think it's beautiful, and I think it's a I guess it's a free channel. So I would uh, hope, yeah. Well, uh, so that's very cool. Thank you very much, uh, Alex. And then uh, I just wanted to mention yesterday I sent out a bat signal to all uh, no agenda sysadmins, but specifically uh, open source developers. Uh, I'd like to uh, get a Linux port of uh, the current system that I'm using for uh, for our, all of our infrastructure. And I uh, wrote a blog post about it. So go to curry.com and read about that and help out if you can. That'd be great. I, I think we could probably, uh, we have so many awesome people, we could probably get this done in a week. So that'd be cool. Um, everyone else, if you're just uh, sitting around pulling your pud, there's something you can do. You could, for instance, go out and propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. New World Order. We are all a member. Say it now. Shut up, slave. All right. So that was disappointing. Uh, but I have, uh, for our donation segment, I got a great clip, which will uh, help remind people why they need to support our show. So remind me to remind them. I'll remind you. Well, hold on. Let me write it down. Yeah. Remind Adam. Yes. For something. For something. Hey, um. You gotta remind me to look in the book to find that reminder. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll try. Uh, also, you might want to take into consideration that, uh, uh, there's new legislation uh, that is uh, coming down the pipeline, and it's not really being widely reported on, although there is some major uh, propaganda going on to, uh, to, to, uh, to program people into thinking that's a great idea to limit uh, the Internet. This, of course, is the Protect IP Act. And what is the other one? The E... E, the e screw them. Like all these things give themselves away by the name. Uh, yeah. In other words, you're not protecting anything. <laughs> no. But uh, the whole idea is uh, if the government doesn't like what you're doing, uh, for instance, if I sing a song, and, and by the way, John, you always wonder why uh, on the pre-stream I sing along to uh, the uh, Ride of the Valkyries and I sing Cinco de Mayo, uh, that is so that we can't get uh, pulled off the Internet by, because, uh, you know, these days if you, uh, if you actually sing a song and upload it to YouTube, you can the get... The Valkyrie song is a public domain. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, probably that version of, of course, is copyrighted. Well, performance copyright. Performance, maybe. sure. So I guess the idea is, uh, if you don't, if the government doesn't like what you do, and they can say, well, you know, hey, they're playing Valkyries as well. Uh, take them off. off the air. Take them off. These guys are no- annoying. But us. the way they'll do it is, uh, they'll control DNS. They'll control routing, <laughs> actual routing, and um, and they can force all ISPs to block you. Which is, you know, this is getting a little bit out of control. And they have, they have now, <laughs> oh, poor Beeb. They have uh, co-opted the Beeb to help propagate this meme. But in a, back, oh, no. in, yeah, in a backwards way, which is really, really, really disgusting. Listen to these uh, uh, prostitutes. This is on Fox. And by the way, there's, uh, so there's three of the hot chicks. They have, I guess they all, everyone has a view show now. So they oh yeah. So they've got and then they have like two. They're ma- called the five. It, 
Is that and they the five? Take right. one of the two girls that are on the five. They rotate through a bunch of them. Right. And uh, they try to get Guilfoyle, who's the who's the one of the rare brunettes on Fox. Yeah. Who has some of the best legs on? <coughs> oh network. man. Oh, so man. they put her on the end. Yeah, so you can see the legs facing sideways with her legs uh-huh. just lit up. They got a they got a high they got a special light beamed on those legs, and then she's usually bouncing <laughs> one of them. Yeah, her legs are lit. Her legs are lit up, and, and uh, uh, that's the show. And so Thank v- you very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we'll be back again tomorrow. So you have to be very careful because the way this works is you're looking at the legs, which are lit up. And uh, while you're looking at the legs, of course, you know, you're thinking, uh, that's one mother I'd like to. And your mind, of course, is wide open, and that's when the information is put in. So they misuse the Beeb, and it's, it's very clever the way they've done this. Listen to this uh, misuse of the Beeb. First, well, just listen, and then we can discuss. As promised, teen sensation Justin Bieber lashing out at Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. He says that she should be. Now, this is the woman who has introduced this legislation. He locked up and put away in cuffs for her bill to toughen copyright infringement laws. Now, we know the Bieber said no such thing. You know, Justin Bieber, you know, great kid and everything. But you know that this kid is not, you know, he didn't say that. And that's why they don't have videotape of him saying, oh, Yeah, I it's think, not political. I think she should be, uh, what's her name? She'd be locked up and thrown in jail. He didn't say that at all. They're misusing. <laughs> we know, that. We know total, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we know that. So listen how they misuse this. So now, so for, I'm looking at her legs. I'm like, eh. now I'm like, eh, Bieber? Huh? What? In past, the law could punish anyone who sings a popular song and then uploads it to YouTube. So we will begin with Kimberly Guilfoyle, who I understand is a big Bieber fan. Yes, president of the iHeartBieber.com. Apparently, I'll be thrown in jail when I lip sync in my room, you know, to Justin Bieber. No, but that's what. So first, they make it sound like it's ridiculous, but then. He's saying this is ridiculous. They're taking it too far. That's what creative musicians, young people starting out like Justin Bieber, were singing songs uploaded on YouTube. He was discovered by Usher. Wow, I do know a lot about it. Now, this is really well written, John. Really well done. So that first they're saying this is ridiculous. This is how young people, you know, learn. You know how you build on uh, on on prior art, and this is it, which of course is true. Now let's you know, look at the legend. Yeah, you always and while you're listening to Guilfoyle, by the way, you always have to remember you're listening to a, a very slick district. Attorney. Hot, hot. Now, so you're like, huh? And, you know, he was able to try and get discovered that way. Yes. So he's saying it's preposterous the the extent to which she's trying to toughen these laws. I, I think Bieber. I don't think his brain is yet formed. Ah, now discredit the Bieber. Oh. He's a young little boy. You <laughs> are going to get hate mail. You're going to get comments on Twitter but for if that. If he had any common sense and he actually looked at what yeah. this bill is, yeah. it's protecting the artist. Oh, it's protecting the artist. If he had any sense, if his brain was fully grown. He would, you would know, because you know, you think in this. Look at the legs. You're dumb. There's yes. so much counterfeit mm-hmm. and and violation of their property. Counterfeit. He's getting gypped by illegal downloads. Gypped. People are stealing his music, and he's well. not getting paid for it. If he were smart, he'd support a lot of these anti-piracy yeah. Absolutely, bills. I agree with Andrea. And also, I have Absolutely. a question: Where is Justin Bieber's mother? If anybody <laughs> should be taken away in handcuffs, it should be Mama Justin. Oh, Bieber. I mean, how? Uh, oh my God. 
<laughs> in a span of a minute and a half, we go from, from bad to worse. We go from, you know, and so all of a sudden it's like, you know, of course, no, not of course. Look at the legs. No, you're so wrong. Your brain is out of control. You need Ritalin, boy. And then her mom should be thrown in. His mom should be thrown in jail. I mean, wow. Wow. That is a, that is a fine piece of propaganda if I ever heard it. Which of course yeah, is teaching the slaves. Yeah, that was good. I give you points for that one. That was very good. That did a great job of turning this thing just into a propaganda piece for the big for the big corporations. Uh, News Corp being one of them, it owns Fox. That for you know protecting copyright. That by the way, we should mention the people out there. And I'm if anybody is a cop as a uh, content creator, I'm one of them, and, we, and we, our, our show is one of them. Yep. The fact of the matter is, we've made the show whoa, open source. Whoa, easy does it on the fact of the matter. Oh, you know, I call myself on the Leo show saying it, but I caught it. Yeah, yeah sorry, right. I was buzzing. But anyway, at home. the point is, yeah. is that uh, we do a lot of we create a lot of copyright written material. But when you write working for a lot of these companies, these big publishers, they make you sign your copyright away immediately. This doesn't protect the artist. The artists even get work ninety percent of the time, and I'm talking about a lot of writers and, and most of these magazines. Uh, I've never done this, by the way. Uh, they have to sign away the rights to their own material. This is one of those situations where where, where John Fogarty had had oh. to pay royalties on his own songs uh, due to the fact that the, the Fantasy Records had his copyrights under lock and key. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't protect any art. Where's the artist being protected here? When people bring up this, oh, the artists are being protected, I've yet to see that. You know, it's interesting in this I Want My MTV book. The one thing that uh, was even, astonishing even to me is the amount of brokenness of the uh, the superstars of the day. Do you know that Duran Duran is broke? Broke. It wouldn't surprise me that any of these guys are broke. There's only a few smart money performers out there that have locked down their rights and managed to, to right. you know, do but well. I thought, But I always really thought that... Duran Duran had it together, you know. This Simon LeBond seemed like he, you know, he had his, yeah, like he, they all had it together. You know, it's like John Taylor's living in like a a one bedroom in you know Santa Monica. These guys broke, and they, <laughs> you think they made any money for somebody? Wow. Oh yeah. But all these. Guys. I think if these guys were sincere about all this copyright bull crap, they would they would pass legislation saying that an artist. He has to own his own copyright for the rest of his life. Uh, Make it let me let you, so you can't you can't re- sign off your copy. You can't right. give them away. You can't right. sell them. Right. You own them. And it's, of course, then yeah. they, I can see where well, it's a restraint of trade because someone has a bunch of copyrighted material they they want to sell because they're already going to make money. Well, wait a minute. And, yeah. Wait a minute. We we let everyone do whatever they want with our stuff. Yeah. Huh. Well, and you can see, but I will say this. We make one-third as much money as anyone doing a similar show that uses advertising. So we're actually, the system discourages what we what do. What we do. We are discouraged from uh, this donation model just by the numbers. I mean, I can assure you that we'd be making three times as much money if we had advertisers and did, it, did the old-fashioned thing and bored people stiff with a bunch of bogus ads right in the middle of the show. Huh. Well... I, 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 you know, I'd have more money. It's, it's up to the to use the listeners to, to to deal with this. So anyway, uh, no, this is this was terrible. I'm, I, it's shameful. And and it Fox is. is one of the worst networks for pulling this crap. For Guilfoyle, when uh, she was on uh, O'Reilly once, and she's sitting there, 
and and he's asking about uh, the this was in the early days of the total nude body scanners. <laughs> And uh, she, uh, oh, I don't see what the problem is. I don't mind if they have pictures of me naked. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, that's how <laughs> it works. Mean, yeah, that's you. Yeah, perfect. So, so I do, I, do I get a clip of the day for that one? If you, unless you beat it. Yeah, I'll give you a clip of the day. Clip of the day. So, uh, <laughs> by the way, that's a I violation. That coming, that's, a vi- that's a violation in copyright, too. Is it? Yeah, it's uh, King of the Road. Oh, King of the Road. <laughs> Clip yeah. of the day. So, uh, oh, you get a oh, we could be off the air any minute now. It's coming because, you know, Justin Bieber tried to protect me, but oh, no, the Biebs' brain is broken. He's an idiot. <laughs> and his mom should be in jail. And, say it. and his mom should be in jail. The He's Biebs. an idiot. His mom should be in jail. And he should be scolded. I wonder if there's some... Freud- Spanked by Guilfoyle. Fre- <laughs> Ooh, there's a title. <laughs> I wonder if... Uh, if there's some subliminal message to her saying his brain isn't fully grown yet, is that a metaphor for penis? Do you think is, is there something in there? Uh, I wasn't thinking along those lines, but I, I figured you would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> might, there might be a subtlety in there. All right. I, you know, they, at some point. You know, the funny thing was about uh, uh, Gilfoyle and her wanting to be, have her picture naked. Um, there was a lar- Really, this last week there was a great. Uh, congressional hearing with napolitano janet oh i know it was beautiful it was beautiful yeah i saw i'm so happy you clipped that because i i was in a a different i was on c-span i was on c-span three the one clip i didn't take which i i will bring up and i'm I'm really disappointed that the the congressman didn't jump on this because they were going out they were really concentrating on the fast and furious uh scandal yeah that's where i was i got i got fast and furious clips they're not they're not you're really making much traction, but at least they're they're trying. But there was a moment where some guy came in and, and berated her for their uh, racial profiling uh, uh, of Sikhs, which are an Indian uh, religion that wears these big turbans. The turbans, yeah, the turbans. And the reason that tur- inside the turban is their hair. And, and, which is and their weapons of cut. mass destruction. Well, the hair's never cut, and it's really long, and so they have to, they have to take the turban off, which is a pain in the ass, and they have, you know, hairs down to the and, floor. And it smells. I bet it smells. Um, probably could be other, yeah. yeah. Whatever the case, uh, and they said when she went into this excuse-making, oh, well, we had to, well, we had to take the, the Sikhs and put, take them aside and then take them to special rooms and all this other stuff. Why didn't somebody say, wait a minute, you've got those those great body scanners. machines. Yeah. They're supposed to spot, find weapons and guns and whatever because she was concerned about the turban. Why don't, doesn't it work on a turban? Huh? I don't know. It's, I don't, well, maybe they just want to humiliate the maybe Sikhs. Maybe the thing doesn't work at all. Oh. Like it was brought out in one of the other congressional hearings. So nobody, because everyone knows that the thing is a fraud. That was Micah, by the way, I think. And I, I don't have a, there's no uh, clippage of it, but he has, it's, it appears that he's going to get that memo, the one that he wasn't allowed to talk about that shows that they, you know, there's like such a huge failure rate of the naked body scanners and they, and they're trying to keep that quiet because that was what you pulled out. Of yeah. that testimony, apparently he's getting that report public somehow. I'll I'll believe it when I see it, but he's working on it. Huh. Well, well, so so fun. so which clip do you want to play of uh, our Lucy Napolitano, the uh, big sister of Homeland Security? Well, I have a long long clip from Chavitz, who is that uh, re- I think a very entertaining congressman. But I want to save that for the end of the show. If oh you wow, want. that is a long it, clip. Yeah, that is too long. long. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but it's very entertaining. Now there's a couple of uh, there's a lot of new information that came out during these uh, 
these uh, hearings. And let's go, let me go over one of the situations that occurred with this Texas Congressman Gomert, who is the guy who came before Congress. And he was the guy, if you remember some, maybe a year or so ago, who called it the crap and trade bill. That guy. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah well, he's a, a character. So he came up and, uh, and started talking about the, uh, the, the idea that there's some guy on the Homeland Security Advisory Council who's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood, oh. huge fan of the Iranians, Ayatollah Khomeini. What? And who, yeah. And, and then he tapped into because he gave because everyone on this committee gets a secret clearance. So he goes into this state and local intelligence community database and starts pulling shit out and bringing them to the media saying, look at this. This is this Rick Perry guy is like he's a he's a Islam uh, Islamophobic. <laughs> And so, so Gomer's trying to get Napolitano to say something about it. He brings this up, and then they go through a bunch of testimony. And then somebody late in the testimony asks her about, is she going to do what Gomer had asked her to do, which is get some information from him. And, he, and she says, I, I don't know. I don't remember what he said. <laughs> he didn't give a crap. And so one of the guys has to turn over his questioning back to Gomert to re-ask her and this is the, uh, I think this will be the right clip. Let me see. I think it's Gomert Jumps Napolitano 2, I believe. Let's see if that's Time it. Time of the gentlelady is expired, Mr. King. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to yield to the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Gomert. Thank you, Mr. Thank you. That's my homeboy from Texas. Uh, Secretary, since you seemed a little fuzzy about LBRA, let me make sure you leave here understanding. What is this LRBE? What did he say? LBRE is this guy. Oh, LBRE. Okay. It was apparently a Muslim Brotherhood guy who's on the Homeland Security Advisory Committee. Perfect. And she doesn't remember anything Gomer says. So Perfect. now he's saying, "Look, well, let me let me let me remind you, Lucy. Yeah, remember when you pulled the football? He was a featured speaker at the tribute." to the great Islamic visionary Ayatollah Khomeini, <laughs> December 11th of 2004. He, you had him on your Countering Violent Extremism Working Group. You promoted him and from your own website. website. Secretary Napolitano swears in Homeland Security Advising <laughs> Council members. You swore him in, and according to your testimony here today, that's where he got the security clearance. <laughs> He has uh, written uh, glowingly of Kotbi, on whom Osama bin Laden relied heavily for his barbarism justification. He has written against the trial and conviction of the Holy Land Foundation's funding of terrorism. He doesn't sound like a good guy, John, to have uh, on our advisory committee, does he? He sounds like no, a... it doesn't seem so. Yeah. He uh, has still remained in this... Homeland Security Advisory Council, and now um, he has accessed a week ago the state and local intelligence community database. <laughs> he took documents that said for official use only and <laughs> shopped them uh, with national media. It appears not only is our security being compromised, a secure <laughs> system... But he's using it to help his friend politically, the president. I've got one question, and it's not a gotcha question. There's nothing confusing about it. Before you came in here today, were you given information about El Abiyari using 
the state and local intelligence community, um, community database and taking information he downloaded and shopping it to the media. <laughs> no. <laughs> if anyone from Homeland Security, your staff, advised anyone else that you were briefed last night, they would be wrong. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. King. You're back. Uh, okay, now, when he uh, obviously has, somebody must have told him. This, oh, yeah, he that, knows. He knows. That last question. Oh, yeah. And she was looking up, trying parsing his question so she could go into denial and have a reason to be in denial. I think somebody obviously did brief her, and then they told him, because she either said, you know, get out of here. Or but, you know, this is very interesting, John. Something is going on because Hillary Clinton, Lucifer, was also hijacked in a very similar manner. Did you see that? No. Can I inter interject your, your Napolitano yes, go. thing? I'm, I'm, okay, so yeah. this not, so uh, Hillary is uh, she's in front of Congress for an unrelated matter. Then we have uh, Congressman Mack, Republican, of course. And he traps her in such an awesome, awesome way. And she and she is pissed off about it. And by the way, she's sitting there. She's looking ragged. She didn't want to be there. And uh, it's, uh, well, listen to how he, he starts it off. He asks a really easy question. She answers with the party line, and then he traps her. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit as well. As you know, I, I uh, surprise serve as the chair of the Western Hemisphere Subcommittee. And uh, so there's a lot, lot to talk about. Um, but I wanted to uh, to uh, talk a little bit about Fast and Furious. And you can see you're now like, uh, what? How come nobody briefed me on this? Um, and specifically, at what point did the State Department learn uh, of Operation Fast and Furious? Now, now, of course, she has a stock answer for this, which is the same as the Attorney General. Congressman, I don't know the exact time. I... Um, I can tell you that based on our uh, information from the, um, from the part of the State Department that would deal with uh, this kind of uh, issue, we have no uh, record of any request for coordination, uh -huh. we have no uh, record of any kind of uh, notice or heads up. Um, heads up. It's an official term, a heads up. And, heads up. <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my recollection is that I, I learned about it from the press that's my recollection oh okay just like whole i just i was reading the newspaper yeah i don't have any intelligence in the state department i just reading the paper so so this is where she slips he comes in with the setup it's a beauty so um i, th I think then i know the answer to this question but i'll, I'll ask it anyways uh, did the state department issue the justice department a license or a written waiver uh in order to allow for the transfer of thousands of weapons across the u.s mexico Order. So, beautiful tactic. He gets her on the defensive, like he's attacking her. He asks a question. This is great, by the way. Uh, asks a question, which she is now, she's in a mindset of, I'm being attacked. So, I have to say, no, no, I know nothing about this. I don't know anything about this. Well, Congressman, you know, this is the first time I've been asked this. And I can tell you that based on the record of any activity by the Bureau that would have been responsible. We see no evidence, but let me do a thorough uh, 
request to make sure that what I'm telling you reflects everything we know. Uh, by the way, let me remind you, Hillary Rodham Lucifer Clinton is a lawyer. That's why she's speaking like this. So she, so he got her in her lawyer mode. She responds like a lawyer. Now he does a beautiful thing, throws in a little joke to put her off. This guy is brilliant. Uh Thank you. That would be greatly appreciated. And I, I wrote a letter to you yesterday. Don't ex- <laughs> I'm sure you got it and you've read it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was for my birthday. Yeah, yeah. Well, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Okay, beautiful. Now, Naylor. Uh, under, under the Arms Export Control Act, of, uh, the Justice Department was required to receive a written waiver from the State Department to account for their intent to cause arms to be exported (laughs) to drug cartels in Mexico. If no such waiver was received, uh, Justice Department officials have violated the law. And you would agree with that, correct? I cannot offer an opinion. (laughs) Well, you would agree. I don't don't know. I mean, Uh, uh, no one told me he was going to do this. Damn it. First time I'm being asked. I have no. I'm not asking. First time I'm being asked because she's used to this all being theater. That's why she said, hey, hey, no one told me this question was coming. You if you in the pre-interview. If there was such a written, re- but if they hadn't asked and I, hadn't I received by law, uh, the Justice Department would be violating U.S. law. I cannot offer you any opinion on that. I don't have the information or any analysis. I can only tell you the facts as we uh, know them in the State Department. Okay, well, I, I will submit then and say that if the law says that they have to get a written, uh, if the uh, State Department is, is required to give a written waiver, for the uh, cause of arms to be exported to drug cartels in Mexico, and if they didn't do that, and that didn't happen, then they are in violation of the law. So I believe the uh, Obama administration is under complete attack from all sides. They're attacking every single bit of it, and Hillary just threw the attorney general under the bus. She said, no, we, no, of course not. We don't have any of that. And then he says, well, do you know that that's like basically breaking the law? You can't export weapons under yeah, any no, circumstance? Yeah, he set her up beautifully. First, he got her to admit that she didn't know anything. Yeah. But if she didn't know anything, then she would. What about this needed document? Yeah. Before the, before the process even began, before Fast and Furious was even executed from day one, you'd have to have this document. And if you didn't know anything, then obviously there was no document. So they're in violation of the law. It's fantastic. So the tell is, of course, that she says... I, and this is the first time I'm being asked this question. That's the yeah. tell that shows you that normally all of this C-SPAN stuff is theater. We know that because, you know, we enjoy watching it. So it's our version of entertainment that it's theater. And she got nailed. So I think that there's people inside the administration who are now leaking out stuff. They're helping the attackers and it's over. And she just really screwed it up. And, and this is not her. And, and heads are rolling as we speak. There's people with ball gags in their mouth being whipped. You know, she's like in her leather outfit, clippity-clop, with her big clogs on. Tell me, slave, who did it? Let me play one of these Texas congressmen berating. This is a short clip of, of, of not, these guys are so irked by these people. Listen to the Texas congressman berates Napolitano. Based on your experience, do you think 34% is a high number of foreign nationals in anybody's jail? Well, I, I, I mean, do you, you either you do or you don't. <laughs> listen. Uh, I am listening. You listen. Answer the question. You're a lawyer. You know to answer the question and not just ramble so that the time expires. <laughs> <laughs> Counselor. She's a lawyer, too. I didn't realize uh, Janet was a lawyer. 
Yeah, she was. In, okay. Yeah, oh, they're she, all lawyers. She says, li- "You know, I was always waiting for one of these guys because there were people were saying, look, <laughs> look, look, listen, look, <laughs> listen, listen.' And so he didn't put up with it. <laughs> I thought that was great. No, you listen. This is this this is so entertaining. This is this, I just love this. This is so awesome. Well, so let's go back to some of these things. Let's go to the title three Napolitano cross examination. Oh, okay. Uh, See where that leads. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Don't tell me, but wait, there's more? Oh, my goodness. Arizona from using the same investigatory and prosecutorial tools that we use in every other district. Not that I know of. So there's no reason <laughs> that this, quote, gun trafficking case could not have been handled like it is handled in all the other states. I- I'm not commenting to this one. I- I'm not second-guessing uh, Fast and Furious that's under investigation now. Well, everyone else has second-guessed it. The Attorney General has said there were problems. The President has said there were problems. So I'm not asking you to say anything they haven't already said. Do you agree there were problems with Fast and Furious? I thought you were asking a much more specific question. But what I would say is, obviously, there were problems with Fast and Furious. What were those problems? Well, obviously, uh, you don't want to let uh, guns with the kind of foul power that, that we now know were involved uh, to get out of your, your control. Is firepower so, the only reason you don't allow guns? Well, there's, there's a number of them, but, but if you want to cross-examine me about it. I'm not cross-examining that, you, Madam Secretary. I'm asking you about Fast and Furious. I'm asking well, you what when I'm you knew about to it. You, uh, what I'm explaining to you is that the case itself and the matter in which it was handled is under the jurisdiction of the Inspector General. But obviously, from a, from, uh, a what-we-know perspective, yeah, there were, there were problems, Ab- absolutely. When you were the United States Attorney in the District of Arizona, did you ever have Title III cases? T3s, yes. And those applications were approved by whom? What's a T3? Uh, it's a, it ha- I, I have to look it up again. He explained it. Terminator 3? But three? I thought it was interesting that he said Title 3, and she then used the jargon T3, T3 yeah. which, was to, which was to make it, you know, tr- to trivialize it. You can look up Title 3. It's, uh, uh, it has something to do with movement across the border. Uh, she, I was concerned that she kept using the word obviously. She used it three times in that little, just in a very short period of time, meaning, which is the, throwing back at the, at the questioner, well, obviously, you're an idiot. For asking, because it's obvious. Right. And so she liked to pull that off. But she, the mistake she made was she said, well, with guns with this kind of firepower, we should let go across. Oh, but the other kind, oh, yeah. you can't. Like, yeah, what, what is okay? You know, it's like, is a twenty two okay? Is that better? I, is, wait a minute. USA Patriot Act Title Three Is this part of the Patriot Act? Could be. International Money Laundering Abatement and Financial Anti-Terrorism Act. Uh, Contain new Title yeah, Three. Yeah, that's what it is. It's just, so it's just, uh, is that... Like a secret word for Patriot Act? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Title III. The Patriot Act doesn't allow this kind of activity, right. essentially. Right. By, by the citizens, apparently the government does it. But that goes on and on to a long Title III thing, which I thought was just a little too much to to, to, to leave in there. I like it, though, uh, when she said, if you want to cross-examine me, then get my she's very, she's very glib. She's not as bad as, as Jackson. Oh, wait. Basically, it's nothing but disdain. You'll have to ball gag me, bitch, if you want to cross-examine me. Oh. But there's a couple other things that came out in her testimony besides the Fast and Furious stuff. Uh, there was this, the, the, the guy in the border jails. If you want to play, th- this is kind of interesting. That the Texas border jails, apparently there's so many foreign nationals in our jails, it's costing us a fortune. But the Iranians are, are going, I didn't know anything about this. You know the Iranians are bringing in bringing in explosives. Nobody said that that they what? weren't. They, what into the yeah. jail? Yeah, Texas border jails and Iranians. 
put down at the border. It's a very different border than it was even three or four years ago. I agree. It's worse. Um, (laughs) The Iranians apparently think our border is less secure than we do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone to Mexico to work with supposedly the Zetas to smuggle in explosives into the United States. Ah. What do the Iranians know about the cross-border traffic of the Zetas or other drug cartels that we're missing? In my opinion, the Zetas, other drug cartels, have, they have access to the United States. They have access back to Mexico. Uh, so uh, it seems like the Iranians obviously know something about the, the lax border than we do. Uh, the uh, Bureau of Prisons says that 27% of the people in the federal penitentiary, 27%, are foreign criminal aliens. That means they are illegally in the United States when they commit a felony. All of those 27%, a fourth of the population in the federal penitentiaries, got here some way. And they got here illegally, according to the statistics of the Bureau of Prisons. And if the border is so secure, uh, let me give you some um, insight as to the Texas border, where I have been numerous times in areas uh, that aren't exactly as safe as you claim. The sheriffs, on any given day, we will call the sheriffs in the border jails and say, how many people are in your jail that are foreign nationals, not criminal aliens, foreign nationals? The most recent one is uh, have the border counties, and the average is about 34.5% of the people in Texas border jails are from foreign countries. This just gets crazier. It gets crazier and crazier. None of this stuff is covered by the mainstream media. It's very interesting. I only have one more clip I think is important, which was another item I've never heard of, which is the... uh, uh, (laughs) There's, there's also a funny clip about insinuation where she's just giving some guy crap. It's too long to play. But uh, here, here's the one. Let's see. We played this one. This is all news to me. Apparently, China in particular, and there's other countries, we, we arrest some guy for doing something terrible. And this, there's one story that's told here by this uh, uh, congresswoman. Uh, they do some heinous crime, and then we we try to deport him, and the Chinese say, "Screw you, we don't want that idiot," and they just let him go back into the community. Play this back into the community clip. We'll not accept them that you release them back into the communities. <laughs> well, they're based on a ruling. Yeah, there's a Supreme Court case called Zavidas, uh, which is a due process case, which uh, if if the home country cannot accept or will not accept. Uh, gives us a, about a six-month detention period. And, in fact, some of these people have come back into the communities and committed heinous crimes. Heinous. Truly heinous. Like heinous? Wang Chen, uh, who killed a young woman, I believe, uh, after China had refused to repatriatize him. Is that true? And I, if I remember <laughs> reading this correctly, they still have not located her heart and lungs. Oh, God. So, I mean... Another one who killed a police. This is better than the uh, special victims unit. <laughs> Her heart and lungs, have not, the zombies ate them. Don't you realize? This officer in Fort Myers, after being released back into the community because their home country would not take them. You know, Section 243D of the Immigration Nationality Act requires the government to sanction countries that refuse to repatriate by suspending issuance of immigrant or non-immigrant visas or both to nationals of the country until it takes aliens back. I love this. I, but although I'm more interested in her, where her heart and lungs are. That's yeah, well, <laughs> sold the heart to someone and the lungs, I guess, 
But the the, well, the well, idea was she goes on about how there's a it's a specific uh, uh, law that if if they won't take the the people back, they're supposed to. We have to take action, and in this case, against the Chinese, and revoke everybody's visa. Well, from China. Well, oh God. and and the Politano is going. Oh, well, I have to look into this. I'm not absolutely sure. Well, the way we see it, and she just won't say anything. It's just amazing. So, but uh, advantage is being taken of this situation. Uh, coincidentally, which of course doesn't exist. With uh, the Department of Homeland Security, that would be uh, Janet Napolitano's department, handing out $300,000 grants to places such as Houston, Texas, to um, create drones flying around in the air. And uh, I'm sure you received a link or two about this, but I have the local, uh, now that I'm about to become a Texan, I've got the, the local news report, which is always better than anything else you can imagine. And, in, and normally I only play the, the, the videotape portion of the report. In this case, I actually have some of the banter of the newscasters because they actually are quite funny. From a laptop computer, deputies can fly this 50-pound Shadowhawk unmanned helicopter. A powerful camera on the front is controlled with this game-like console, and the manufacturer says this one's even designed to carry weapons. Stun baton where you can actually engage somebody at altitude with the aircraft. And a stun baton, stun baton would essentially disable a suspect. Montgomery County Sheriff Tommy Gage says he has no plans for weapons just yet, but he does yeah, have FAA yeah. approval to fly for SWAT team stand and searching for criminals on the run. To be in on the ground floor with this is pretty exciting for us here in Montgomery County. Yeah, it's pretty exciting right here. Oh, oh boys, we're going to go zap you from the air. In 2007, Local 2 Investigates uncovered a secret Houston police test of a different type of drone, but so many people complained of police spying on them after our story went worldwide. Mayor Parker scrapped the idea when she took office, but Montgomery County's ready to go. Big brother watching situation... Uh, <laughs> Certainly, it's not going to be used for that. It's going to be used if, if somebody's a criminal and, and and all, and we're looking for them. That's what we're going to use the vehicle. I, lo- I love it how the old guy t- catches himself saying, uh, "This is uh, like a big brother's uh, ooh situation." Uh, yeah. It's so simple in its design and the objectives of it. Beautiful. You just wonder why anyone would choose not. To yeah. Have why don't we have no, them everywhere? It's fantastic. It's beautiful. Flights here at the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office could begin within a month, according to the sheriff. Now, this drone that arrived here today could be outfitted with a taser to actually zap a suspect from above or fire <laughs> off those. Yeah, wait, a taser to zap a suspect from above. Wait, there's more. Stun How baton. does that work? Wait, a stun gun. Guns or bean bags. Bean bags. a suspect. The sheriff- They're throwing bean bags out of these things. Hey, 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 have a bean bag. Whoo. Zap the suspect from the, the air. Hell is that? It just is, hit me. What is this? This is not just a. I mean, you have to have contact. So either they've got like some high tech weaponry with a laser to, to zap you. Sheriff says it's all about keeping his officers safe in very volatile situations. <laughs> he says he will keep privacy concerns in mind. He says it will be done right here. And here comes we the kicker. Check it out. Dean, KPRC, Let's get to two. the payment part. Now, the Montgomery County Sheriff says that $300,000 in federal Homeland Security grant money paid for its drone. Woo-hoo! That includes training for the two deputies who will fly it on police missions. So the, the, the important things of this meme fest are the FAA has given them permission to fly. 
Now, I'm going to presume they have to be below 500 feet with this thing, just for general aviation practices, which typically will not allow you to fly under 500 feet uh, above... 500? Uh, 500 feet above ground level. That's, that's the... That kind of low? For general aviation, you've, you uh, in some places, well, over cities it differs, but in general, 500 feet, sometimes 1,000, that's the, the lowest altitude. So these things are going to have to be below it. Otherwise, you know, it's crazy. I mean, you can't have, uh, you know, people tooling around in their Cessna all of a sudden this. Uh, well, these it? aren't the same as they were using in Afghanistan. They're at no, 20,000 no, feet. No, this is like a, like a remote control. These are little control. pieces of crap. Right. I'm oh, telling these things are going to be brought down. Oh, I am shooting this thing. If I see one of these things flying over my house in Austin, I am blowing it out of the sky. In fact, I think it's a game. You don't even have to say pull. You just hear this thing flying by like it's going to be fun. Now, the other part is zapping people from the sky. Really? And throwing beanbags, <laughs> a beanbag drone. Are you, the beanbag are you freaking kidding me? Now this is uh, this is nuts. But it is a th- based upon a three hundred thousand dollar grant. Yeah, this is a bribe. Totally. Here's a bunch of money for you guys and train a couple guys, keep an extra couple officers on the payroll, and buy one of these pieces of crap, whatever it is. I mean, there's probably a brand involved of some little one of these little mini drones, the kind that can fly up to your window and peer in. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that was disgusting. The video that you can see in the show and why notes. Why would a Texas anybody in Texas, you know, an independent-minded group of people say, "Hey, that's a great idea. Let's let the federal government run our lives." Well, first of all, we don't all talk like that in Texas. But since you're doing it, I will blow that some bitch out of the sky, boy. You know I will. Of course Something not. Like from Alabama. The, well, so anyway, whatever. The good old boys will have none of that. like this. The good old boys will have none of that. We're not going to have any of that. Can I, may I please uh, give you some props for a moment here? Oh, thank you. You were uh, so spot on about Anwar Al Alaki about that being an extraction. Remember that was why your... did he show up? <laughs> show up in L.A. <laughs> yeah, he was at the premiere of. Uh... <laughs> uh, no, um, <clears throat> I, but there's a little twist to it. What happened here? This is a fight between the FBI and CIA, and uh, as demonstrated in this clip. Now, here, this is the douchebag who's uh, who used to be. Uh, what's his name? Who used to be the head of the Bin Laden unit, the guy who, you know... Oh, that guy. That idiot who's always on Fox. He's yeah. always on the air. He's just... And he's a blo- phony blowhard, and I think he's disinformation specialist. He's the only reason he's on anything. Well, the thing I like about what he's about to say here is he essentially asserts that the droning of Anwar al and of course this leads right into his son, who was, as you correctly pointed out, was a loose end, was actually because the FBI was looking bad because this guy worked for the FBI um, and they had to get rid of him. Well, listen, we've heard for years that there was a link, a direct link that Alaki had contact with some of the 9-11 hijackers. Why now, after he's been killed, is this becoming an issue? Well, I think several reasons. They're very concerned about the growth of domestic uh, militancy in the United States. Clearly, Alwaki is just one of 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 a number of people who are here trying to incite young Muslim males to attack their country. Second, I think you have to put some responsibility onto your own Catherine Herridge's very good book uh, on the FBI's uh, mishandling of al Uh They apparently uh, were running him as an agent, at least they thought, 
and they, they facilitated his removal from the country before anybody could talk to them. So <laughs> uh, I think there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff going on here that really wasn't covered by the 9-11 Commission, sir. So if, in fact, there is this link and we prove it and this investigation uh, turns up all the evidence, what does it change? Well, it changes how we think about domestic security. You know, the FBI and other Department of Justice have, has, have always argued that there are no sleeper cells or terrorist cells in the United States because we haven't found them. Well, there's a lot of times in life you look for something but, and don't find it, but it's, it's out there somewhere. For example, uh, Osama bin Laden and his mentor, if you will, a, a Palestinian sheikh named Abdullah Azam, had more than 50 offices and representatives in the United States during the Afghan war against the Soviets in the 1980s. They had a, a, a already established infrastructure. But the, the, the desire of the 9-11 Commission, it seemed to me, and I'm very biased on this, was to blame the CIA for the failure and drop it at that. Mm -hmm. And now we're finding out that other people had opportunities, other people knew about uh, activities that were going on in our country, and the 9-11 Commission ignored them. So might this either strengthen the case for Alaki's assassination, or might it strengthen the calls for those who said, hey, it might have been better had we detained this guy, questioned him, and found out the things that he was involved in? I, I think it was better to kill him, sir. I, I think he, uh, a dead Alaki is better than an Alaki to talk to. He <laughs> a dead Alaki is better than an Alaki to talk to. How does that work? Yeah. Well, so this is so. So he used the the, the, the mean blame the CIA. Yep. So he's obviously still you know has some connection. Of course. He's a CIA of course, guy. he's a shill. Obviously, and, and he's a shill, and he uh, he's blaming he's, the FBI on 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 killing him. He wants to throw some some blame on the FBI, and uh, and he may be actually announcing the fact that hey, we've got a, a Lockie now. You guys better shut up about a couple of things. Exactly. So this is the ongoing war inside our own country, and then the end of it is that some poor kid gets droned because he's a loose end, because he can say, yeah, my dad was FBI. <laughs> right, something like that. Or, or, although I still think they extracted him, too. Although, uh, if you believe, uh, what's the guy's name, Dickie of Newsweek? Douchebag Dickie is what I'll call him. Who's uh, Douchebag Dickie? He works for, like, in Newsweek. I forget his first name. And when you hear him, this short clip. Yeah, drones are okay. Killing people is not a problem. It eroded our moral status in the world was invading Iraq and occupying the countries. Uh, right. Occupying Iraq, uh, Afghanistan for the last 10 years. I mean, that is what erodes moral authority. Frankly, I don't think the Americans and most of the rest of the world care about drone attacks here, there, and everywhere if you're attacking <laughs> a handful of, uh, of bad guys. But I don't care. Here, there, everywhere. Yeah, as long as it's bad guys. I don't care about drone attacks. No. John, you're, you're American people. Do you care? Nah, nah I think I it's great. Yeah, I don't care. It's awesome. There's one yeah. over the head, over the house now. <laughs> yeah, here, there, drones here, there, everywhere. Who cares? No one gives a crap. No one cares. No one cares about drones. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's for bad guys. Beanbag the bad guys. Woo, 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 woo. You know what, people? I hope you're the first to get beanbagged by a drone. So, so, uh, so you're talking we're on then. that topic. Mm. There was a uh, thing on book TV over the weekend that. Uh, uh, I thought was kind of interesting. It was a discussion of, of various uh, nonfiction and fiction books by lawyers about lawyers, and, and the questioning became and, and, kind of and interesting. And this is entertaining to you? 
Yeah, it was actually. <laughs> and what it relates exactly to what you were just talking about. Let's uh, play the clip, which is guy asks a question. It's called, and it, the, the clip is a little long, called The End of Due Process. And I'm just wondering, you know, I was thinking, you know, they got some process and not process. But in our lar larger legal issues, the, it seems like due process is being taken away from us when you say arbitration. But the due process, for instance, the drones killing people overseas, American citizens, without due process. I just wonder if we could talk a little bit about that. Wow. Um, <laughs> that, that is an, it's a fundamental issue to the integrity, I think, of our justice system is due process. Uh, I don't know that, that we can we, – we're in a, we are in a very complex uh, fight for, civils, for civil society in this world. Um, I don't know that you can make it all whittled down to due process. So I don't, I don't want to try to do that uh, with the drones and the like. Uh, but, I, but, but, but let me take your point um, and expand on it just this much. Uh, I think you hit a you hit a nerve when you say we we may be putting due process in jeopardy uh, because if you don't have that, um, then all of the other pillars in the structure of the justice system fall. Wow. Huh. Yeah, they go on and they bring up a bunch of these points. There's a, it was very actually interesting on, an, on kind of a high level of the, the, these lawyers. And uh, another one was the, that was there, this, this confab, was this guy Dees, who's the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, guy, who's a very famous lawyer, who uh, also discusses the something he, – he believes that the entire court system is, uh, <laughs> is done for. <laughs> because everything now is con based on contracts and, and arbitration. Drones, just drone. And the, the drones will be just part of this whole system. And he mentions in particular, you can play this clip, it's D's in the end of courts. But he mentions this interesting thing. He says, you know the movie Philadelphia, you know, where the where the AIDS, uh, Tom Hanks won the Academy Award, the AIDS right. guy sues his own law firm because right. they got rid of him. Right. He says, this is, this today... This wouldn't happen in a million years. He says you, when you sign up with any law firm in any way, shape, oh, or you, form. Oh, you, you sign away your right to sue them. Yeah. yeah. You, sign, oh, you yeah. sign an arbitration clause immediately. He says this whole movie is bogus. I, it, think I mean, that, uh, first of all, there's a move to close the courthouse door. And when I go to speak to the law, law students at Alabama, Ken locks them all in. They can't get out during freshman orientation. So I get to indoctrinate them a little bit. I've done this for many, many years. And I always tell them, now, y'all walk down the hall to the moot courtroom because that's probably going to be one of the only courtrooms you're going to get to see. And when you get out of, out of law school, you're going to put on your best preparation. You're going to get everything ready. And you're going to stand in front of the uh, – uh, and you're going, to, you're going to make your opening statement. You're going to say – and may it please the arbitrator. <laughs> and unfortunately, that, that's the case. That's really the case. But I, uh, I, I do think that uh, uh, we've got to really fight to keep the courtroom door open. And there's a, there's a conspiracy on this country, especially in civil courts, to uh -huh. shut the courtroom door because corporate America does not trust the jury. And, uh, you know, and I, I gave a talk once. You, can, you don't need to go to law school to, to learn to practice law. Just watch the movies. 
And so I did that one year then. I just said, well, let's take, what are your favorite movies? And I was killing Mockingbird. When we get to the Philadelphia story, I said, how do you like that? First of all, how many of y'all came to law school to learn to go in the courtroom and represent people's rights? All the hands go up. I said, what do you think about the Philadelphia story? They said, well, that's a great story. I said, well, there'd be no trial on that today. Everybody said, you know why? Nobody knows why. I said, because when that lawyer signed up for that law firm, he would have signed a binding arbitration agreement. He would have never had a trial. So I think it's important that these law books uh, emphasize that theme and, and, uh, and, and keep the idea that, that we need to have the jury system. I ask law students all the time, do you know what the Sixth Amendment is? Well, everybody knows that. It's right to jury trial. And I said, what about the Seventh Amendment? Most of you, some of you may know what it means. I'm sure you know what it means. But it's the right to a jury trial in a civil case for any amount of $25 or more. Right. That's just lost on those people up here in Washington, D.C. Small claims. Thank you. You know, um, here, I'm, I'm going to predict the future, John. Uh, and you and I will be a part of it if, if we can stay alive and on the air. We will have uh, a segment on the show. And it will go something like this. Win, lose, or draw. That's right. Gina and Johnny have been married for five years, and now they want to split up. But they're not going to go to court. There's no divorce. Oh, no. Let's see who's going to play and win. Win, lose, or draw. That's right. Let's see who can escape the drone. They don't need to go to court. Just drone the bitch. So uh, you just love that clip. <laughs> because I can see when, it happening. When you're get tired of it. Uh, well, soon, but I can I can see it happening. I can see, like you know, you don't go to court to get a divorce. You're just a droner. Sorry. Well, actually, the prenup, to, you know, could be just a simple drone. You don't have, you know, a prenup doesn't have to be <laughs> a uh, drone up. You know, what gets people about prenups, you know, the super rich, you know, they're used to them, but the normal people out there, they would never sign one because it's like, oh, you love me. If you loved me, you wouldn't have me sign this. Yeah. Uh, but if if the prenups de- uh, devolve into really not prenups at all, you have to rename them to something else. A marriage agreement, marriage arbitration agreement would be a good name. Yeah. And essentially, before you get married, the two of you say, just in case, we, we if we, anything happens, we go to an arbitrator. We don't yeah. go, we don't start suing each other and all these you know, with this expensive process where lawyers make all the money. And that's that. You both sign off on the marriage arbitration agreement and you get married. That's it's, something like that will definitely be in the cards for everybody. We, we, and then no keep, one will be moaning about it. We keep it as till death do us part, till death by drone. It's going to be real easy. That's great. Yeah. Well, this is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a real problem. Oh, everyone's a In lawyer. Fact, the, the thing about the Seventh Amendment, you know, the small claims court, anything over twenty five bucks. Yeah, there you can do a lot with your, like your phone company. You can be suing them. Yeah. You can, oh yeah. There's a lot of and all you do is file, and you go in there, and they never show up, and they always have a judgment against them. But and then you can get a mechanics lien and shut the business down if you you know. Well, but or, John, or, my, my my entire point about this win loser drone game show is not far fetched because we have. Judge Judy and you know Judge Judge Jingo and Judge uh, Jabroni, all these reality shows based upon the twenty five dollar small claims court uh, rule. That's why the, all these these crazies show up in court in the so called uh, television court. So you know it's a logical outcome. Oh man, we got to get on this. And by the way, the way the donations are going, we might have to. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, no, actually. Yeah, I do want to speak about donations, but then of the presidential kind. 
one of the guilty pleasures I have is watching that a-hole spokeshole Carney, uh, the guy with the Napoleon complex who speaks on behalf of the president in the White House. Uh, and he's got his own little show. He loves his little show. Listen to how this dick starts his show on Friday. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to your daily briefing in the West Wing of the White House, the People's House. Uh, Good Friday. The People's House. Yeah, to good, you. Good Friday to you, everybody. Welcome to the White House, the People's House, the West Wing. This is my show. I'm Joe Carney. A dick. It, uh, the People's. Is he talking to the same reporters every day? Welcome to the People's House. The People's House. So um, this is the fantastically transparent. This is just a great, lovable clip about how the Obama administration, the most transparent administration in history, it's a fact. It's a fact. You know that, don't you, John? It's a fact. A fact. It's a bogus fact. It's a fact. The most transparent in history are so proud that they are not taking money from lobbyists. No money from lobbyists ever. No money from lobbyists. Unless, unless there's a way around it. This is a very, very funny clip. And I'm not sure who the journalist is, but he deserves a dedouching. Yes. Yeah. One of the things the Occupy Wall Street people are upset about is special interests having a lot of influence here in Washington and having their voices heard and not individuals uh, being heard. And the New York Times has a story today about this campaign pledge the president made about lobbyists not being allowed to give money to his campaign. And yet... The story lays out in great detail, however, there are a lot of people not just giving but raising half a million dollars each, a lot of money, um, for the president's campaign, and they just don't register as lobbyists, but their livelihood is lobbying. So let me just explain what's going on here. So there's registered lobbyists on behalf of companies, but instead of saying, hey, I'm a lobbyist, here's money to lobby and uh, take our money, which the president has said he'll never take that, they are bundlers. And they're taking donations from, well, I don't know, people who might happen to work at some firms that have an interest. And then they, under personal titer, title, are giving you know half a million dollars to the campaign, which the Obama administration is happily uh, accepting. So, And I guess the New York Times had an article about this. So it shows that you know there's all arrows are, are aimed at this president. But the way Carney addresses it and answers it is just hilarious. How do you square well, those two? I mean, first of all, they don't. You, you make it sound like they don't register as lobbyists and they're somehow violating the law. The, the this president's record is unprecedented in terms unprecedented. of unprecedented uh, rejection of money from PACs and lobbyists. I mean, I think what's it's, interesting is yeah, it's unprecedented. It, it's a fact. Be quiet. That you're citing that story and not unprecedented the unprecedented can be, go either way. You know, it's yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good it, point. It could be like he's gotten more than anybody. Anybody. It's a, uh, you're not going after the Republican. The guy, the journalist, is good. That demonstrated that lobbyists are lining up to, in record numbers, to contribute to Republican campaigns, campaigns that openly and willingly accept money from yeah, lobbyists. And well, the president, in 2008, made a pledge. Right. That he would and he is, and he is We can go through all the other candidates, and but he, he has made kept that pledge. pledge. Uh, uh, and and has been more transparent and 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 uh, had held himself and his administration to higher standards uh, than any administration in history. In history, in history, in history. Okay, so and that's a record we're very proud. Okay, of. Okay, so how then in the story, uh, a woman who runs Pfizer's lobbying shop? When you ask, well, they don't lobby. Um, she runs Pfizer's lobbying shop, drug company. Billions of dollars of interest around the world. They lobby the White House. They lobby Congress. She runs her lobbying shop, and yet she's raised $500,000 for the president's campaign. Mm -hmm. well, Isn't that violating the, the spirit? The point is... That's not the point. Shut up. The point is... This president has been the most transparent in terms of disclosure, <laughs> the most ethical in terms of you know, 
the, the money that he will accept and the uh -huh. money he won't accept. There is no one who compares. Oh, nothing compares. Thus far. Thus far. We hope that there will be. Uh. And it's certainly none of the Republican well, candidates are even, I mean, it, they don't even make an effort, right? And the fact is this president's record is uh, unparalleled oh. in this regard. Right, but he's also the president right now. They're candidates. We don't know who's going to get the nomination. They should be held to right, a high standard as well. And he, he had the standard prior to when he ran for office, okay, not so just when he took of, office. Uh, Comcast lobbying, David Cohn. Mm -hmm. runs Who I know, by the way, David Cohn. Comcast lobbying raised a half a million dollars. I understand he keeps saying disclosure and everything else, but how do you have somebody who's running a lobbying shop and they're raising a half a million dollars? How does that square with a ban? Again, again, what should we? How should I answer this? Let me just say we're unquestionably unparalleled, the most transparent. Ed, the, the the president's uh, uh, standards uh, are unequaled in this regard. The practice has been unprecedented in this regard. The uh, transparency, the disclosure, uh, unequaled again by any other candidate. Uh, we're very confident that um, that his record on this is exemplary. God! <laughs> uh, you know, he will be on the wrong side of history, to use the elite's own words. One day he will be on the wrong side of history, and he will be embarrassed, and his children will be embarrassed about having a father that stood there and lied in the people's house. Hey, Arnie, John. the ex-editor of Time Magazine. Let's, we should go to D.C. and say, hey, is uh, Spokeshole Carney here? We want to have lunch in the people's house. We want to have a picnic. Yeah, in the people's house. <laughs> in the people's house. We, we want to have a little... Uh, a yes, little... the people's house. So um, uh, you don't have to remind me because I reminded myself. Clay Shirky. Do you know who this gentleman is, Clay Shirky? Yeah. Who, yeah, is, Clay who Shirky. is Clay Shirky? He's one of the uh, kind of uh, blogger turned professor. Uh, writes a lot of books on the Internet and how it's important uh, to society and all those kinds of things. And he's uh, kind of probably, of all the uh, guys who do that sort of work, he's pro if you see him on C-SPAN, he's probably the most full of himself of all of them. So he's also a consultant to uh, the uh, Ministry of Truth, the New York Times. Uh, is that your uh, recollection? I don't know that, yeah. but it's possible. Yes. Wouldn't surprise me. So he was speaking at the Columbia School of Journalism, uh, which is where they train the new slaves of the Ministry of Truth. And, of course, these are all elitist a-holes. And um, you know the guy, James O'Keefe, who uh, goes undercover and does, like, the acorn stuff? And, you know, he, oh, right, 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 that guy. So he has a, a website called Project Veritas, which is kind of funny by itself. Uh, and he went undercover... And uh, and his his whole mission was kind of to expose that they're elitist and, you know, they're talking about how they support Obama. And I don't give a crap about any of that. But there are two little clips that I pulled from his undercover footage. The first one actually shows how I believe you and I were duped about this Occupy Wall Street. Because, of course, now we see that, uh, as we played at the start of the show, the president is now using the 1% meme, so it's not just the president. It's the, when were we duped? Well, uh, I'll t well listen, uh, we were duped in the coverage by the mainstream media. He explains exactly how why uh, the mainstream media, like the New York Times, didn't cover Occupy Wall Street in the beginning, because they actually wanted to give it full-blown coverage and really make it very successful for the president and the unions. So the problem is, if you want Occupy Wall Street to succeed, 
you want them not to get press coverage in the beginning. So in a way, although Occupy Wall Street loves to talk about the lack of press attention, the period between when they started going and when the press caught on, less than 10 days. And that that was actually probably good for them. It mattered so much to Occupy Wall Street that no newspaper sent them any traffic in the beginning. So that by the time the media stuff appeared, they had a cultural core that was solid enough to, solid enough to absorb that traffic. And if the Times, if the Times had thought they were doing them a favor by saying, "Oh, you know, 20 kids slept overnight in the park, and this is going to shake the world," it would have shaken the world less than it has now. So even if the Times were being completely tactically liberal, they still wouldn't want to rush in and front run that story. So. Uh, this, by the way, is classic shirky bullshit. But go on. So what are you saying? I'd say it's bullshit. That the Times wasn't in He's on like, it? They're, they're, they're sitting around in a meeting. Well, here's what we got to do, boys. We got to keep this thing undercover for a while. And then we're going to blow it out. That, that way it can be a big deal. We can push the... They don't do that in these meetings. They, they, they basically have a meeting. They're not that dishonest. They're not a bunch of criminals like he's making them out to be. This is just one of these reverse thought things where he can come up and come up with some, some very creative explanation that sells more books. That's what he does. That's what his job is. Uh, well, he's helping us by exposing the business model of our national treasure, NPR. The other thing the NPR's got is that... Is that the whole idea of sponsorship has been made ridiculous. NPR runs advertising. But because of the way the tax code is written, they don't have to call it advertising. But a, but a radio ad plus a URL is direct marketing. So the invention of the web has created an enormous wind in NPR sales for raising money through a, an advertising model, but they don't pay taxes through an advertising model. Were that loophole to be closed, NPR would, would be in some trouble. Hey, do you pay taxes, John? You know, this, we paid nothing but taxes. <laughs> This, this I'm not. I'm going to look into this because I don't think that's true. As far as I know, the only reason you use the underwriting model is to dupe people into thinking that, that there is no advertising or no uh, corporate uh, influence. And so the public broadcasters use they just use the word underwriting, and it's casually used, just as we have from that old clip where she says underwriting, whatever you want to call it, advertising. Right. And, and, and I don't know that the tax code uh, has anything to do with it. I'm gonna, I am I mean, I can look into this, but it sounds, again, like shirky, kind of like dreaming up something to make it sound, you know, because it's, it's, his stuff is compelling. If It's like one of these philosophers with uh, crazy ideas. It sounds kind of interesting until, you you know, you realize that you've been suckered into false thinking. I mean, it's you know, like Chomps. He's basically a Chomsky of this sort of observation, uh, observational writing. You will so agree. I'm not buying that either. You I mean, will I'm buying ag- what he said. He's right. right. It's right. a scam. Right. But I'm not buying because it's a tax code issue. Well, I like that he said it's advertising because you have a brand name, a product, and a URL that is advertising, no matter... Well, actually, here's how the former CEO of NPR called it. Okay, moving on to money. How are NPR's corporate underwriting revenues holding up in the recession? And what about foundation grants? Um, two different stories. Um, underwriting is... Uh, corp- uh, underwriting is, is down. It's down for everybody. I mean, this is, this is, the, this is the area that is most down for us, is, is, in, is in sponsorship, underwriting, advertising... Call it whatever you want. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, oh, no. 
Well, we have our little group of underwriters. And we do. Or advertising. Uh, Call it whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> and they're advertising for themselves. Yes, Robert they are. Rodriguez in Lomita, California is, is uh, he's advertising his town of Lomita, California. He needs a de-douching and a shard of karma. Give him a double. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. And he gave us $120 to keep the show on the road. Thank you. David Murkowski in Gastonia, North Carolina, $111.11. We forgot to mention that again, and we've got only two people donating one, 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 one. Matt Ashbury being the other one from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, uh, donating $111.11 because I have a third do-or-die interview with a great company on one eleven one eleven. Oh, that's good. So he, should, he probably, was he want some karma? Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For your 11 11 11 interview. You've got 11 1 11. Yeah, 11 1 11 11 As I am desperate to get out of the media stooge business. <laughs> What's a media stooge? I don't know. But it's something we'll have to resort to if we don't get our donations. We're going to be a media stooges. Hi, I'm Adam Curry. I'm your media stooge. Uh, Tim uh, Hummer or Humor. Uh, in Pelzer, South Carolina, I'm bringing back the old Niner promotion that was done sometime back when Adam was heard to say Niner four times. Niner, 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 Niner. Yeah. Thanks for all the hard work you both do to make the show happen. I should be stepping up to the round table soon, so he's working on his knighthood. Right. And by the way, uh, Matt Astbury, who is a media stooge, says we have the best podcast ever. Hell yeah. And he would know. River Mist Designs in Kagawong, Ontario, 7777. In the morning, John and Adam here. Uh, we are in Gitmo Nation, Freshwater, uh, Manitoulin Island, Ontario, Canada, the largest freshwater island in the world. That's interesting. Oh. I'm donating this amount today as a possible promotion, and this uh, has many no-agenda memes on Sundays, M-E-M-E, on Sunday the seventh day. If you receive 13 Adam's favorite number in craps, Donations of seven 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 lucky number you would have one thousand eleven dollars oh one. Hey, a wait a minute! Roll. I don't think you can get thirteen in craps, can you? It's a joke. I, duh. Eleven one thousand eleven dollars and one cent is a palindrome. So backwards yeah. is you know as the same as it is forwards except for the dot. And it's also a binary. Hold on yeah, a second. What, let me. Let me. What is that binary? What is it? It would be 101101. Let's see what that is in binary. Come on, Google, don't let me down. Uh, what is that? 45, which is 4 plus 5, which is 9, which is almost like 911. If you read this number or more, <laughs> the names of the donors go in a hat and a name is drawn for a night with a no agenda crap table. They're all going to get a knighthood if they put this yeah. sentence in. Yeah, you get I just asked and I'm in the first draw, just a thought. Anyway, we'll think about it. We'll read this again and try to figure out what he's talking about. Yeah. That's a full year's promotion, promotion, promotion. Also, our no agenda nation needs a flag. We have a lot of great artists and leave it up to the other producers. Need karma for just getting by. Love the show. Give them a karma. And we'll, yeah. Everybody for just getting by. Hell yeah. You've got for just getting by. Karma. We're just getting by. Well, we're not just getting by. Eon Gilman in Rockford, Illinois. Ian. Ian. You always say Eon. Did I say Eon again? Yeah, yeah, and you always say, did I say Eon? Yes, it's Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm consistent. <sighs> Rockford, Illinois. 
6789. My fellow slaves, hello. In this great Gitmo nation of ours, I have a very good friend who is going through a really rough patch. Their Although name- <laughs> they wish to remain anonymous, I wish that bit of karma could be sent their way. If not, then send it my way and I'll redirect it to them. All right, better bounce it off. Get your shield, boy. You've got karma. <clears throat> Judith Cook in Orleans, Massachusetts, nuts. $60. Uh, so, John and Adam, you should really encourage donations for anniversary year plus years married equals 2011, at least for the next two months. Because for couples currently married, date married plus years married always equals the current year. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great, that's a variant. Honey, throw anniversary. <laughs> I'll just throw something out there. If our date of marriage plus years marriage equals 111, then maybe we should just give it to no agenda. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, whatever. Uh, please, uh, some work karma for my husband, Stephen Post. Love your show. Absolutely. Here you go, Stephen, from your lovely wife, Judith. You've got karma. Aaron Stork in Milton, Washington. Uh, in honor of my birthday on 1030, I decided to quit being a boner and become a donor. Please call it my buddy Russ Russ as a douchebag. Oh. Uh, douchebag. On general douche principle. John, make sure Adam knows how to get how great the Seattle-Tacoma area would be uh, as a stop on the Hot Pockets 2009 tour. Hot Pockets. We'd love to see both of you Let, up Let's here. see. We're going, to, uh, we're going to Texas with the mini Hot Pockets tour, but we're going to go via Seattle. This is uh, <laughs> this makes no, no sense. Next year, next summer. When oh you yeah, do no, no, we're going to do the western, the west coast. Absolutely, absolutely. Chris Ball, Chicago, Illinois, double nickels on the dime. Oh, by the way, that Stork was double nickels on the dime, and so is uh, Chris you. here. Yeah. Last time I donated, I didn't ask for Carmen. Since then, I've lost my job and my girlfriend <laughs> and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of losing the show would be just too much. So I would like to request a little karma today, if I could. We cannot rely on the Baron to continually bail out all of the boner douchebags out there. Oh, what a great note! Yes, here you go. Get your dog and your job and your You've girlfriend got back. Karma. Wow. John Baker in Mount Sheridan, Queensland, uh, in the morning from Cairns, Australia. Wherever you finally make the trip, whenever you finally make the trip, to great. Get Mo Nation down under. Make sure you include Cairns as there is so much to see and do here. Huh. We'll definitely make sure we hook you up with a trip to the reef. Mm, the, the Great Barrier Would reef. love some karma for the upcoming job interview and keep fighting the good fight. Okay, good luck there on the reef. You've got karma. Double nickels on time for John. Alan Bean came in from Oakland at $50 donations from Alan Bean. He says, okay, Armin Breuer and, and Alan's giving us $50 a month. Armin Breuer uh, in Vienna. Since tonight might be uh, an evening karma, uh, wait, an, an evening karma might, could come in more ha- more than handy. Oh, and okay, tonight it might be okay. Since it works all the time, here's some value for <laughs> values. Thanks, John and Adam. Keep it the good word. All right, it, it always works, never You've fails. Karma. It always works. Hey, you sent me a note from Sir Troy. Uh, he's not on the on the list, but should we do him today? Yeah, yes. Discuss that. He was. Uh, how come he's not on the list? Uh, because I sent you that note instead. All right. Uh, I have the note here. Your recent reports on Australian politics are cause for another donation, $66.66. It appears you are both now able to understand my note of frustration read on No Agenda 322. Um, I have that. Do we need to play that? Do we need to play no, his? No, no, it's uh, okay. Uh, um, yes, well, and also uh, we are keeping an eye on Australia as now uh, Australians, uh, had their wings have been clipped. 
There's no more flying. Qantas grounded. Yeah, this I know that guy's a, a douchebag. He gave himself. He had a board meeting. Gave himself a promotion and, and a huge oh, bonus. He was the CEO. I mean, he gave himself a raise, so he's making more money. And then he shut down the airline because the uh, the three unions are striking uh, against uh, conditions and outsourcing and all kinds of. They're trying to screw the unions again in one of these situations where there's just uh, you know there's not enough money to go around because if you're going to pay yourself even more money as the CEO, you know you don't really have to, you have to start yeah, firing but, people. But this is like there are people you know stranded everywhere. They can't get home. Yeah, screw them. <laughs> They're just slaves. Who gives a crap? It's cattle. Screw you, yeah. cattle. Yeah, we should. So that uh, guy's got to go. But they're you yeah. know if they if he, they fire him, they'd give him like a golden parachute and that would be worse but anyway i want to remind everybody to go to noagendashow.com dvorak.org slash na channel dvorak.com slash na and also noagendanation.com and please uh get into the 11 or 111 dollars 11 cent for the upcoming 11 1 11 if you can and then also 11 11 11 coming up on 11 11 11 which is going to be the we don't have anything like that again for until 12, 12, 12. 700, 700 years. Oh, really? 12, 12, 12. 12, 12, 12 will work. Yeah, that's the next oh, but, year. Oh, End we'll, of next year, oh, there'll we'll be one be, more of these. Oh, and then we're done because we're, there's no 13, 13, 13. I can tell you that. No, of course not because we'll all be dead. You know, the mind calendar. Yeah. <laughs> droned. Droned, I tell you. Exactly. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. Also make sure to pick yourself up a slave t-shirt, which uh, is always uh, beautiful and also supports the show in some manner. And uh, we can no longer ask people to vote for us at the podcast awards. Voting is closed. Oh, that's too bad. The winner shall be announced Friday, November 4th. Time TBA. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll never win. We never win anything. We're not going to win that. No, I mean, we got a bunch of guys out there that can do bots, but they just don't do them. Hmm. Uh, well, it is appreciated, um, very light, uh, surprisingly light, actually, uh, for this uh, particular episode. But there you go. That's uh, what happens. Uh, so what happens when, what happens? What, well, I don't know. When, when the show sucks, I don't know what happened. You know? I don't know if the show sucked or if it was Halloween and everyone's busy. Everyone's busy getting candy. costumes. Yeah, that's possible. Now, I went to a... Wait <clears> until <throat> Thanksgiving rolls around, we get nothing. Yeah. And it's going to be tough because, you know, we got the move coming and uh, and doing the show on the road and then uh, from hotel rooms uh, this uh, on next Sunday. Uh, yeah, this coming Sunday, uh, I'm going to have to do the show from San Francisco. It's the annual uh, <clears throat> uh, resurge awards that uh, Mickey and I try and uh, steal money from uh, v- uh, medical venture capitalists uh, to help messed up kids. We do that once a year. In so, San Francisco? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, we try to do one or two things for, for, for we try to do our bit. And uh, every year, you know, we host this. Uh, it's good. They, they raise like $700,000 or something from these douchebag uh, venture capitalist guys. And uh, it helps, uh, you know, kids who are messed up. And uh, they're a good organization because they, they basically have no money. They put it all into sending out medical teams and stuff. Uh, but every year, it's like, oh, crap. We gotta do that again. <laughs> so you're gonna come by the office? No, hell no. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm gonna do anything of the sort. Uh, so yeah. So then we have one of these then. It's a 
also a very short list, just one name, Aaron Stork. Congratulates himself as he is celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday on behalf of all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. Sometimes known as the best podcast in the universe. As it we, is. As, yes, uh, we've taken a vow of poverty to bring that to you faithfully. Faithfully, I tell you. Somebody's in their truck right now listening, going, well, maybe when I get home. Yeah, the guys are cool, but, you know. I'm, and by the way, I'm anyone busy. who, you know, every little bit helps. So if you want to just go to the donation page, if you only have a couple dollars, and close out your PayPal account, a couple bucks, is all, it all adds up. So pull out the red book and uh, put down two weeks. Two weeks, the show goes under? Nope, Europe goes under. Oh yeah, the Euroquake is coming. So you're gonna, you're, so we gonna, we can pool. Yeah, we can pool this for sure. Well, I'll, you, I'll, I'll tell you what this is based on. I think it's important to discuss because it will affect us here in the United States of Gitmo yeah, you know, Nation and around is, I mean, the world. I made a request for people to send us some euros, and no, we got we got Australians coming in. Yeah, although, although the Australian dollar is strong too, but it's not going to collapse like the euro. No. So um, on the last show, we, well, we, uh, we, of course, were celebrating the fact that uh, Europe had been saved. No sooner, no sooner had the document come out and had we read it, which basically says, well, you know, the 50% uh, uh, debt forgiveness is voluntary and all this stuff. And all, the, the thing is bogus. Yeah, and then the, did nothing. And then the German uh, Bundestag, the, the, the parliament essentially said, well... You know, yeah, this is all good, uh, Herr Merkel, but, uh, you know, we're going to have to vote every single time with the full uh, parliament uh, for money to go out uh, to go save the frogs and the pasta guys. And um, and Italy, which, you know, we thought it was going to be Spain or Portugal, but it looks like Italy is the one that's going to fall into the through the abyss in one day. Uh, the cost of them borrowing money, which is what this bond selling is all about. And I think it's important for us to talk to uh, our producers about this, so, you because know, God forbid anyone explain it on uh, in the American news media. Uh, wh- what's actually happening is the cost of their borrowing went up, uh, I don't know, like a full point, showing that the markets, the financial markets, like, uh, no, we don't buy this. So I-, I, think it's, I think it's two weeks. I think, uh, what are we today? The 20- So let's say... November 15th. No, 11, 11, 11. Let's just call it 11, 11, 11. So it'll be Friday, the 11th of November, is when Europe will crash. You want right. to you wanna weigh in? Do you think it's going to take longer? Yeah. January. Oh, really? You think January? I think they're going to try to do everything they can to bullshit their way through the Christmas season, try to get a little action going there, a little last-ditch profits, and then it'll collapse in January. Nigel Farage was on with uh, with the judge Napolitano, if you want to hear that, Freya—it's not like one of the the Farage rants in the in Parliament, but it's kind of. Yeah, yeah I'm always game. I like that. Guy. Yeah, you want to listen to a little bit of him? Okay. Well, I'm pleased we're having this debate because I've been amazed over the last few weeks. Uh, there's been a wall of silence from America. No one's been saying anything. I mean, with respect, um, I would say that your president is handling your own public finances pretty badly. How on earth can you want to get involved? with tens and tens and tens of billions of dollars more, helping not, not to bail out Greece and Portugal and Ireland, but to keep them imprisoned inside a currency that they should never have joined in the first place. All you guys are doing and all we guys are doing is we're pouring good money after bad. It's going bust of that, there's no doubt at all. 
I wish you could make that statement to the Congress of the United States, to the, uh, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System, and to the President himself. Nigel, what will happen if some miracle occurs and the U.S. says no, and Angela Merkel says no, and David Cameron says no, and Nicolas Sarkozy says no, and these countries are permitted to collapse? Well, I can't see the IMF saying no, because whilst it's based in Washington, uh, you guys have turned a blind eye to the fact uh, that the last guy, Dominic Strauss-Kahn, was a French bureaucrat who supported the Euro. We've now got Christine Lagarde in charge, another French bureaucrat who supports the Euro. So the IMF in Washington has been hijacked. <laughs> Angela Merkel's in a difficult position. Her own electorate increasingly are saying, look, we've spent 20 years paying for Eastern Germany to be reincorporated into the West after the Berlin Wall came down, but we're not signing a blank check for Greece. Uh, and Cameron, well, frankly, uh, he's got no backbone and, or, <laughs> frankly, no spine at all. So we're inching towards the next bailout. But there is a danger that at some point in time, the markets will just overwhelm this thing. And it won't matter whether the bailout fund is one trillion or two trillion or three trillion, um, events will just become too big for it. What, what will happen in your view if there is no bailout and if uh, contract law and the law of supply and demand and the free market runs its natural course? I mean, aren't we destined for the failure of these socialist entities anyway? Wouldn't it be better to get it over with now? Well, I couldn't agree more. Let's take the pain. I mean, look, back in 2008, when these big banking crises hit, and, and, and much of it because of the stupidity um, of what American and European politicians did with the banks. But think about Iceland. Iceland just simply could not muster the reserves or the political will to bail out the banks. They let the banks go bankrupt. The Icelandic currency fell by 80%. Interest rates went to 20%. You know, it wasn't just the volcanic ash that year that made things look grim in Iceland. But where's Iceland today? Well, Iceland today is getting back to growth. She's taken the hit, she's taken the bad news, and she's recovering. Take Greece. We're keeping Greece trapped inside a currency. Her currency probably should be 65 to 70% lower than it is. Wow. Uh, you know, most of her banks need, need to go bust. And the risk is this, that we can talk about economics until the cows come home. Ooh. But the reality is, if you strip a country of its democracy, if you take away from it the ability of your own elected government to do things, be they good or bad things, and you turn it over to three foreign bureaucrats, one from the IMF, one from the European Commission, one from the European Central Bank. Once a fortnight, they land in Athens airport, right. and they tell the Prime Minister what he can and can't do. I put it to you that if you rob people of their ability to determine their own futures, they will turn to violence, and I believe that what will happen in Greece before too long is there will be a revolution. Wow. That is just how serious and how stupid this whole thing is. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying that. <laughs> I think that was a very eloquent explanation of the yeah, whole issue. I know, I'm in total agreement too, but the problem is, is that these guys have been good at stalling it. The optimists on Wall Street have been buying into the, everything they say, and so they, they keep everything pumped up. That's why I think this can go past... Christmas, and it, it could go even further than that, but it's definitely going to, they're not going to let it, the, the economies collapse before Christmas. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> that lie. Would be, that would be they, horrible. <laughs> well, I, but they're, they're already shooting their wad because uh, I love how Germany all of a sudden, hey, oh, we were looking under the couch and we found 55 billion euros. How coincidental is that? Did you see this? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh. 
Oh, we just found fifty-five billion and do a rounding error, a little accounting error. It's so fake. All this is so fake. And meanwhile, you're not seeing Greece on television. You can see a little bit of it on on Euro News and a minute thirty, you know, clip of, you know, it, it might as well be Occupy Wall Street, Denver, or Oakland. It's all the part of the same thing. But yeah, I mean, those people. It's it's over. That's like it's pandemonium. It's really, you should go to, people, if you have a chance, go to Greece and go stand, by the way, bring a helmet. It's bad news there. It's really, it's, this is bad, bad, bad. So I'm saying two weeks, you're saying through Christmas. I don't know. I don't know if they can, I don't know if they can handle it. Oh, they're pretty good. At the market's moving real fast, man. All right. I could be mm-hmm. wrong, but I think 11, 11, 11 is a perfect date for it all to come yeah, tumbling I, down. I, like I think it's bold of you to, uh, bold, bold. to, to think things are going to happen faster than they they actually happen, but we'll see. So I have a an ask, Adam. Oh, oh hold on a second. Do we? Ha- I, I you know I'm. Aha. You haven't done this in such a long time. Let me see if we can find a. All right. Ask Adam, everybody. This is in response to the you know you always ask, out of the blue you ask <laughs> some crazy thing I can't answer. So I'm going to, this is just a guess who this is clip, and you have to tell me who this is and see if you can identify this person. Uh, oh, guess who this is clip. Okay. All right. Here we go. Don't want every story to be. <laughs> I know. I already know. <laughs> and it's going to be on television tomorrow night. I already have the DVR set. This is the the Hummer from the New York Times. The 1800 words. Uh, there is a certain uh, <laughs> lack of discipline. Sometimes a point is repeated too many times in a story, or there are three quotes making the same point where one would do, and I'd like to see a, a variety of storylines. So this was. This is a promo, right? For the uh, yeah, for Jill Abramson. Yeah, I saw this She's promo. Be on a C-SPAN. I'm telling you, I, I was, I was, uh, I was sitting at my at my computer. <laughs> I have C-SPAN on. All of a sudden, I, I'm like, whoa! I'm like, I'm like getting the remote. I'm like, I gotta record. It's the Hummer. It's the Hummer. And then it was a promo, but it's on Monday night on C-SPAN. Oh, yeah, I can't wait, because she's in major hummage mode. I'm not sure, but... She's doing a Gregorian chant. So an interesting piece of news cropped up over the last few days. Oh. Google released its transparency report. yeah. Telling everybody all the data requests. Have you seen this? Yes, I have. Oh, nuts, because I was going to ask you a question. Like, for example, these are all the people that have, the governments that have requested data from Google who now says, well, you know, we just have to give it to them. Yeah. And so the question is, how many requests, just out of the blue, would people think China, for example, asked Google for? Three. Three. And how many did the United States ask Google for? When I looked at the chart, it said none. No, fifty nine hundred and fifty. <laughs> I know, but Brazil was second. I think wasn't it Brazil number two on that chart? India, India, <laughs> India second at seventeen thirty nine. Not even close to the United States. We kick ass. Yeah, we are and, rocking. We're number one. We're number and, one. <laughs> and Google has complied with ninety three percent of them, and they user specified accounts. Eleven thousand and fifty seven accounts are specifically targeted by the government to be looked at. <laughs> if you compare that to let's say uh, uh 
France, 1,300 requests, 1,600 user accounts. It's a, you know, factor of, by a factor of five. Netherlands, 64. Oh, yeah. Oh. Russia, well, Russia, 42. Switzerland, 36. They don't care. We have 5,950 <laughs> requests. They and, that's, request. and that's just what they're telling us. Right. I it mean, could I don't, be a lie. It could be, be low. Could be, yeah, could Whatever be. Whatever the case is, this is their, uh, this is Google. So when you go to Google, you're, uh, you're, you're, and it just means they could go to the Gmail, your Gmail account. The government says, hey, I want to know about this guy here. He's been given to the uh, No Agenda show. Well, let's look at his Gmail account. And oh, his, and, and his, then, and oh, and here's his password for PayPal. And here's his password for Facebook. And here's all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it all that. So you use Scroogle. <laughs> S-C. I don't use any of that. I don't use any of that. I have my own email server in-house. No, I'm talking about Scroogle for your searches. Oh, because Scroogle goes and runs it through a bunch of hoops, and then you get the same Google results. And, eh, you know, it may or may not be safe, but it's at least you'd think you, you just, they're probably safer. Whatever the case is, Google is turning over everything. They Every time it's asked, they give. There was a, a survey, which uh, CNN didn't have a uh, – I saw it on the on, – by the way, for uh, in the Austin place – I've uh, ordered DVRs for all of the televisions because you know I had this one TV. Uh, I have two TVs. And oh right, you, this was a big bugaboo with you. Yeah, I screwed that up. Oh no, I'm on the wrong set. <laughs> I'm on the wrong box, so I wasn't able to record uh, CNN. Was, and uh, basically, all the newspapers, everybody ran with this survey. And I don't know if you saw this survey. Survey USA Today survey, and it was about. And, and here's how it went. Do you know where you pick up the most germs? We'll have the answer right after this commercial. And your options were um, gas pump handle, ATMs, the button that the change that that doesn't change the light when you want to cross it. Uh, interesting, they didn't have your keyboard, but the crosswalk buttons and uh, all of this other stuff. Did you see this uh, pop up anywhere? Did you see this? Yeah. All right. So, and uh, on CNN, I'm looking at it, and right underneath, you know, so, uh, so number one place, the dirtiest place is uh, 71% of gas pump handles, 68% of corner mailbox handles are highly contaminated with germs most associated with a high risk of illness. And right, right below it, and this is what killed me, I saw who did this, the survey. Do you know who did the survey? I'm guessing some company that sells a sanitizing powder or something. <sighs> Kimberly Clark. Yeah, there yeah. you go. They are Kimberly Clark, makers of all things wipes. <laughs> wipes. Kleenex, Kotex. A wipes company. Wipes. The term is that there's all kinds of germs the, out there it, out to kill you. I mean, this was a huge commercial. And, you know, and I'm thinking it was I mean, here USA Today even stead the survey from Kimberly Clark Professional, a subsidiary of the tissue maker that focuses on workplace wellness, was designed with help from environmental microbiologist Charles Gerba, a professor at the University of Arizona. This shows you this shows you how commercial everything really is. And it was just a commercial. I, I was blown away. Yeah, well, we've talked about this before. We should be doing this more often. We haven't done it at all. 
But we should do these, you know, we can get some professors and some other people to kind of, you know, put their names on these things. And we can do surveys. And there's a lot of survey software out there and there's survey companies that would volunteer for us, I'm, I'm sure. No, please. Uh, please. No one's going to volunteer for us. Are you kidding me? I, no, I think we can get that. I don't and, think so. In well, exchange for some promotion. Well, okay. So how about this? I'm, we, we know we have a lot of educators out there. Maybe one of the educators who has a professor title will step up. And say, yes, I will underwrite a study that is entirely designed to prove that people who listen to the No Agenda podcast have better sex. <laughs> Don't you think? And, and the sexologist. Yes. Well, just any PhD. Get that Eden woman that you type with. Have her do it. Who? Which Bobby. woman? Oh, uh, Bobby Eden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bobby will confirm. Well, I, I can I can guarantee you Can't this. Can't you get her to do? Who's got the sexiest voice out there that we can get to say something? Uh, like I that? love her, but it ain't Bobby. I okay, love well, there are women with these ridiculous voice. Every, every once in a while, you run into one that's like there's a PR woman occasionally. She and I always I think guys always must get a kick out of it. You get the, the phone, the answer to the phone, and this woman has just got this voice that is like, holy crap! I, right. What I always think is. Man, oh man, voice overwork. Yeah. You know, this yeah. like what a voice. I might know someone. But yeah, we need a we need a PhD to step forward and you know, and we can say university of, of blah uh can step forward and basically say and, you know, it has been proven that people who listen to the No Agenda podcast and you know, people who listen to the No Agenda podcast uh, have better have a better sex life and it, scientific proof that when you donate to the show, your penis grows. <laughs> Something like that would be great. I don't think the news media is going <laughs> to pick that up. What do you mean? Is it, we had to come up with something that actually would be newsworthy. Well, okay, genius. Come up I with it. I don't have then. anything. If I had something, I'd be doing it as we speak. Hey, I've, I'm uh, only a critic. I'm just a critic. I'm not an engineer. <laughs> okay. I figure something out for you, critic. You have been harping on this for weeks, and I think I, I don't have the full answer yet. But I have a theory about the president saying this. And they should stop playing politics and act on them now. These jobs proposals are also paid for by asking folks who are making more than a million dollars a year to contribute a little more in taxes. These are the same folks who've seen their incomes folks. go up. That's it. I'm glad you fell for it. Folks, this is code, and I think I've figured it out. Oh, good. I'm glad somebody did. This is code... And he's sending messages to Folk Nation. Folk Nation, also known as Folks, is an alliance of street gangs based in the Chicago area, <laughs> which has since spread throughout the United Nations, specifically in the Midwest and the South. And they are the, it gets better, they are the rivals to the People Nation, known as People. So when the president is talking about folks, he is sending code. It's like his version of throwing gang signs. And I was not able to yet find a specific message that would really work for the folks. But I really think that there is something. So you think, here's what, you, let me summarize. So what you think is that Obama keeps saying folks because he's a, still, he's a, he's a gangster who is uh, sending coded messages to his homies? Correct. Uh, to for them to do something. Else. So what we have to do is take the and deconstruct. Deconstruct. The, uh, yes. The, using cryptography, we have to figure out what the message is. Okay. So let's to prove it. All right. So so this is why I bring it up. Now listen to what he, this is from his presidential YouTube address. 
let's deconstruct the mess, the gang sign he's throwing to his homies back in Chicago. And they should stop playing politics and act on them now. These jobs proposals are also paid for by asking folks who are making more than a million dollars a year. Okay, so he's saying, yo, drug dealers making more than a million dollars a year. Do you think that could be it? How about extorting people that are making oh, more than a million dollars Oh, okay. Dollars a year? All right, let's listen to the second folks. To contribute a little more in taxes. These are the same taxes folks. Taxes is just code for this, the, 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 uh, the VIG. The, the VIG, whatever, yeah, you know, exactly. Come in, hey, well, you need protection. Yeah. So he wants them to get up the ante on the protection bracket in Chicago. These are the same folks who've seen their incomes go up so much. Hey, you're benefiting from the whole drug trade I've opened up with, uh, with Mexico. Hey, 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 you're benefiting. Let's get some protection. What do you think? I'm liking it. I, you know, people are going to call me crazy for this. Well, they call you crazy anyway. So what difference does it make? There you go. Well, now I'm going to start rethinking this whole thing with that in mind and see if we can deconstruct the. When he says "folks," that would be the key word for the message. Stay on it, coming. man. Stay on it. I'm telling you. We know well, he's, he says it too much. Yes, he does. And it's always folks, 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 folks. I'll bet you there's something to look, which is the other thing he does a lot of. Look. I don't think there's a look, look gang. I don't know. But, you no, know. It's not a look gang, but it might be some a generalized message for the police or something like that. Who knows? When he, when he speaks a lot. He gives a lot of speeches, this guy. In fact, I got one. I got the Obama on Halloween speech, which, which kind of... See if you can find the subtext of this little clip that says Obama will not be running for re-election. This is one of our little themes. Wait a minute, See if this, wait a find wait the subtext in here. Wait a minute. This is Obama on Halloween? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but oh, wait, wait. Stop. 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 Let me give it a setup. He uh, they, he just got off the Halloween gig that they do at the White House, not on Halloween apparently, and he's speaking to the Italian-American community just to say hello. Uh, but now that... Malia and Sasha are with their friends. Uh, they do not notice that I'm gone. They're now getting to that age. They don't care. Uh, they're pleased that I didn't embarrass them too much during the brief time I was with them. Uh, so I am honored uh, to be here to celebrate uh, National Italian American Heritage Month. This is a whole, the whole thing is a metaphor. The whole thing. They didn't notice that I was gone. The short time I was with them? The brief time I was with them, I thought, was the key phrase, which yeah. is that he's not spending enough time with the kids. Right. Time to quit. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Just yeah. get it in. You know, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. It in. People yeah. still look at me funny when I bring this up and say he's going to quit. I, I will say people go, uh, are you high? <laughs> are you high? Are you high? Uh, by I the mean, way, I was a little... I was a little disturbed until I followed up on it right after our show on Thursday where um, where NATO had announced that uh, they were going to stay in Libya. Uh, the United Nations came out and said, ah, we're ending it. We're ending it. October 31st. We're ending it. It's all over. We're ending it. We're ending it. It's all done. And I was like, oh, man, I can't believe this. We just said that we're just joking about them not ending it. But luckily... Um, I delved into the information. So uh, you would agree with me that the, the mainstream media has said war is over, we're done, NATO is out of Libya, right? Yeah. Wrong. United no, Nations. No, no, they said it's done, so it's done. No, yeah, it's, they said it's done, but that's not true. 
United Nations Security Resolution 2016 on Libya. You know I love reading this stuff. Uh, What this does, it says uh, they are recalling a number of the measures... But they are, it is not like the whole, uh, so from uh, uh, Resolution 1970 and 1973, but they are not recalling the whole thing. In fact, uh, the only thing, here it is, uh, they are recalling its intention, its intention to keep the measures imposed by paragraphs 6 to 12 of Resolution 1973 under continuous review and to lift as appropriate and when circumstances permit these measures, and to terminate authorities given to member states in paragraph 4 of Resolution 1973 in consultation with the Libyan authorities. So they didn't recall anything. Everything is in place except for an exemption, a waiver, if you will, that is given to three oil companies. It is total bullcrap. All of this is in the show notes at 352.nashownotes.com. Complete lie. Resolution 2016 on Libya only says that they will recall, and this is, by the way, it's mainly about the um, uh, the financial freezing of assets. That's what paragraphs 6 to 12 are. If they feel like it, if circumstances permit, and if they agree in consultation with the Libyan authorities who are these self-imposed jabronis who are educated in Pennsylvania. So it's total bullcrap. Nothing has been lifted. The whole place is still under complete uh, security, uh, under complete security blanket. And then we learned that there were 2,300 British Army officers and personnel in Libya on the ground. <laughs> oh yeah, really? Yeah, twenty three people we got there. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? This whole thing is just like what a lie, big lie, and the media just goes, "Hey, Ministry of Truth, shut up! It's all true. It's over." And we just uh, just blew me away. Blew me Apparently. away. Apparently, yeah. Well, it's, you weren't really shocked though, were you? Now, yeah, no. I well, no, yes and no, but still, I'm like really. You know, it's that hard. I'm a disc jockey. All I have to do, I, and I, I read one paragraph of this thing. I'm like, oh, it's not true. They're just lying to us. <laughs> Duh. Uh, you got a note from nobody our, bothers. Man, nobody cares. We got a note from our boys at Occupy Wall Street, Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they said, I hope they send in SWAT teams. This whole thing is bogus. <laughs> The voice of the people is dead. No one is standing in front of City Hall voicing their opinion. It's the Woodstock of Occupy L.A. In fact, the biggest event they had was a wedding. They had an Occupy L.A. wedding on the, on the steps of City Hall. He says it's just homeless people and college kids camping. There's nothing. It's complete. It's complete. It's, it's not even co-opted. There's nothing happening. They're doing weddings. <laughs> the whole thing is completely fallen apart. No one gives a crap. He said he hopes, and he was he slept there. He he he, he, he hopes that they the SWAT teams come in. Oh, how crazy is that? Yeah, well, it's yeah. This is the problem that we we face. Good analysis on the um, uh, who did this? This was really actually quite good about the Obama the bailout, which we called for. Did we ever put this in the red book? I think we did. That the the next big bailout would be the uh, the student loans. 
Isn't that in the no, book? No, we've talked about it, but we've never put a... Uh, Damn, we should have put that yeah, in no, the we've book. Yeah, no, and we talk about it constantly, which is that Obama's going to use it as a carrot to get students to vote for him if he runs again, even though we still are dubious about that. So the way it works, and, and, and there's a pretty good deconstruction of this on, what is this, thepoliticalpulse.com. So the average a high-end school is $55,700 a year. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so when you get, if, if you have a full-on loan for four years plus a fifth year to go hang out and kick some tires, you come out with uh, something like uh, $223,000 of debt plus $9,000 for your fifth year of kicking around. The way this is supposed to work, and if you do the numbers, this is what's so great about it. It just doesn't add up. Uh, what Obama is promising, by the way, it's nothing more than a promise because he's just doing it under executive order and not, you know, not going to Congress or anything. And by the way, there is there are federal loan programs. Uh, it's not just all commercial. But the way they want to set it up is you will not be required to pay any more than 10% of your discretionary income. So that's after you've paid rent, after you've paid for food. I think it's those two. So if you pay, if you if you're making sixty thousand dollars a year, which is about forty five thousand dollars after taxes, if you buy a, a house, so you have food, so you got your discretionary stuff, you'll never be paying more than um, like four hundred bucks a month. So if you have a, a quarter million dollar loan in twenty years, that's only sixty five thousand dollars. So at the end of the day, who's going to pay for the real? The real uh, loan. It's going to be taxpayer money. Yeah, they're not going to do that. They're going to they stick these people in the nice slave situation where they're going to be, and the interest will be going up, and they and they're going to have. They still have these gotchas where if you miss a payment, you're in. It's like a credit card. You yeah. go from your three percent to eight percent. You miss another payment, you go to thirty percent. Next thing you know, they got some guy with a baseball oh, yeah. bat coming over to the house to break some <laughs> kneecaps. And I mean, also, this is ridiculous. This also, is a this is a, a slavery. Abomination. Slavery. It's slavery. Say it. Yeah. Say it with me now. It's a slavery. It's abomination. Here's Ron Paul on the issue. But would you admit that there are people who need federal help, be it in education or be it in uh, housing or uh, food stamps? I mean, that kind of food thing. Food stamps. Yeah, there's, there's always some needs. The market isn't perfect, but instead of having, uh, uh, you know, a trillion dollars worth of, uh, of, of debt and a medical care system that's totally broke down, you would always have some needs. But uh, that, ha that was in, in existence before 1965, but there was nobody out in the streets without medical care, nobody out in the streets that were, uh, there were more people under the bridges now than there were back then. <laughs> and also, there were loans. Uh, people do loan, but even if they have difficulty, you know, sometimes it takes people six years to go through college, and sometimes it takes people four years. But some, but back then there were jobs available. But the whole thing was the cost was so much lower. So yes, it will not be perfect. But what we have now is this catastrophic mistake where people have a pseudo education and no jobs and all debt. I mean, we've indentured them <laughs> and like slaves. <laughs> Pseudo education and slavery. This is great. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it's perfect. By the way, a repeat of uh, the 2008 elections. Um, I guess because Ron Paul, who of course is completely being now, now they've just gone to complete, just ignore the guy 100. Uh, even though he won yet another poll, he just keeps on winning polls. 
um, they're pulling out the old hit job on him, which is that he's a racist. And uh, Wolf Blitzer, you know, and, and I guess in uh, like uh, 1992, someone put out a, a newsletter and said like the Ron Paul newsletter, and there's all this racist crap in it, and uh, which of course stuff that has never come out of his mouth. And Wolf Blitzer, you know, I guess he got the memo. It's like, hey, you know, we got to knock this guy down a peg. This this Ron Paul guy is irritating because he keeps winning even though we give him no coverage. And by the way, young kids don't watch CNN, okay? They don't watch. That's old people. Look at the commercials. Hearing aids, uh, uh, free wheelchairs, you know, penis medicine. <laughs> when you're watching a show and they cut to a free wheelchair commercial, you got to rethink your priorities about what you're watching. <laughs> Believe me, I do this a lot. I'm like, why am I watching? Who cares? It's old people. No, of course, old people have a vote. And I don't want to be ageist. But yeah, the kids are not watching this. This is uh, this is two minutes, but it's well worth it because Ron Paul gets in Wolf Blitzer's face and smacks him and just and says, hey. Screw you, because so I'm and I don't have the blitzer, but he's like, you know, it's the they show, you know, they, they just pulled the the tapes out of the closet, like oh, he's racist, you know, it's like you know, black people are bad, you know, they only want to kill white people, you know, it's some horrible thing, and uh, and he's confronting Ron Paul with, and Ron Paul gets pissed. All right, well, let's talk about it. Uh, what how did, how could this happen? Because I've gone through some of these old uh, Ron uh, Paul newsletters, uh, and it's got your name bannered on the top. And some of these comments, as we just heard from Brian's piece, are pretty shocking. Shocking. Yeah, it is. And of course, it's been rehashed a long time. and It's coming up now for political reasons. But everybody knows in my district that I didn't write him and I don't speak like that. And I, nobody has heard me ever say anything like that. And I've been reelected time and time again. So everybody knows that uh, I don't participate in that type of language. But the point is, is when you bring this question up, you're really saying you're a racist or are you a racist? And the answer is no, I'm, I'm not a racist. Matter of fact, Rosa Parks is one of my heroes. Martin Luther King is a hero because they practice the libertarian principle of of civil disobedience, nonviolence. Libertarians are incapable of being a racist because uh, racism is a collectivist idea. You see people in group. A, a civil libertarian like myself see everybody as an important individual. It's not the color of their skin that is important, as Martin Luther King said. What is important is the character of, of the individual. You know what is really interesting, though, and this might be behind this, because I, as a Republican candidate, probably am getting the most number of black votes and black supporters, and now that has to be undermined. And I do this because I attack two wars that blacks are suffering from. One, the war overseas. In all wars, minorities suffer the most. So they join me in this position I have against the war in Iraq. And what about the war on drugs? What other candidate will stand up and fret in the can and say, I would pardon all blacks, all whites, everybody who are convicted for nonviolent drug acts and drug crimes? And this is where the real discrimination is. Let me finish Let this. me finish, you uh, bitch! get my message back because you put the other message out. Now, when uh, uh, when the, if you want to look for discrimination, this is in the judicial system. 14% of the inner city blacks commit drug crime. 67% of blacks are in prison. That's discrimination. That's the judicial code that I am attacking. And that is not racism. What I defend is the principle of libertarianism where we never see people who belong to a group and every individual is defended and protected. 
protected because they're important in the individual, not because of their color of skin, but of their character. So I am the anti-racist because I am the only candidate, Republican or Democrat, who would protect the minority against these vicious drug laws. <laughs> Fail, Wolf. Fail. A douchebag. Give Wolf Blitzer a douchebag. Hell yeah. Douchebag. You want to hear his comeback? Uh, uh, d- d- a congressman... Uh, <laughs> Crap, that wasn't in the script. I was supposed to, like, surprise him with these shocking documents. Yeah, I'm voting for Ron Paul. What a stooge that Blitzer is. Oh, he's such an a-hole. I mean, how did? What kind of meeting did they have in the back? What are we gonna do? Well, I got this. Look what I found. This here on is the well, internet. no. This is the race so, card that we know is being pulled by the Obama administration. This is yeah. part of it. This is this is what it's come down to. We have a black man in the White House, and he, well, not he specifically, but I believe we're gonna have more racist crap going on than ever. It's, it's nuts instigated by them. This is crazy. Holy moly! I'm freaking out. Holy moly. Holy moly. Uh, it's just, ah, uh, uh. Well, I want to remind people that we do have an end of show clip with uh, Representative Shavitz grilling Napolitano in a very humorous way, even though she, she comes out and I want to mention something that happens at the end where she says, well, you know, it went to the attorney general and, uh, and then you talk about fast and furious. And then it went to the uh, independent council. And the fact of the matter is, uh, oh, the, the fact of the yeah. matter, yeah. Sorry, man. That's, that's actually up one from last week. Yeah, yeah, you were doing so well. The point is, is the uh, <laughs> I don't th- I don't think that call. I think you can substitute the fact of the matter to for the point. Okay. Here's just she, say. <laughs> yeah, there you go. She had months and months before this hat before her excuse is, is invalid. Is the only thing I want to say. So before we go, I have a question for you. No. What do you mean, no? Go ahead. I had dinner um, with. Uh, remember, uh, Mickey hooked up with uh, with. Uh, she's got some friends, and we we kind of like hung out. The extremely successful entertainment lawyer in Los Angeles, who have the the box at uh, you know the Lakers games. Yeah. Okay. And so we had dinner with them. And, you know, we see them like once every six months or whatever. This was kind of like we're going to Austin. Screw y'all. And uh, this guy, uh, I didn't actually know he's sixty seven, so he's uh, older than uh, you and I. Uh, but he is from the baby boober generation, and you're kind of on the cusp there. And it turns out he uh, has an FBI profile. He went down to Mississippi. He was on the forefront of the, you know, he got his head bashed in. And what was kind of interesting is he said, because, you know, of course, a little crack pottery came up. I didn't know the guy was like a complete, like, crazy uh, radical back in the day. (laughs) And he says, and, and all of a sudden it came out, right? All, then it just started gushing because he felt like he could let his guard down, like he wasn't with a bunch of, you know, hoity, hoity-toity a-holes that he usually hangs out with. Yeah. But he, he said, it doesn't make any difference. We're screwed. This country is screwed. The world is screwed. And he's given up. And I just wonder. It, he's is, given up. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying it doesn't make any Tell difference. Tell him to listen to the show at least. Well, I did. I mean, he's just too busy reviewing cases. I don't know. And I was like, do you think that this is. Uh, no. And he agrees, by the way, with what you said is that the, you know, the baby boomers failed. 
He said, we had the chance. We had, we had the absolute chance to get it all done. We failed. Forget about it. This country, he says, Europe is dead, gone, over, kaput. He said, this country, we give people the illusion of the American dream, but they're all going to get screwed. They're all going to die. And all I care about is myself and my family. Screw y'all. And I was wondering, do you feel that this maybe is a general consensus among the baby boomers? That 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 the baby that they've all said, you know what? Screw it. The, my kids I think can. There's a lot of that. I don't think it's a general consensus. I think uh, there's still some optimists out there. I mean, it's just like the the broad range of. Uh, I mean, he was an extremist. It sounds like. Oh to yeah. Me, that, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, Major. That that yeah. was incredibly disappointed. Yeah. I think a lot of the baby boomers were the most left wing of them became neocons. I mean, all the neocons are essentially communists. Right. I mean, literally, right. uh, back in the day. And, you know, so they've, it's like they've scattered. They've gone in all kinds of different directions. And I don't think it's a his attitude is necessarily his negative attitude, I might add, Ooh. is necessarily a consensus attitude. I think it's I think there's a lot of people like that. I think that's it is a big problem. You know what he did say? He said the good news about this and this Occupy, he said the kids are going to get laid and they'll have great music. And then I said, oh, and by the way, good looking hookers. He said, oh, yeah, that, too. Yeah, the good-looking hookers. Yeah, always, we uh, we agreed on all of that. Okay, well, uh, I said that I still had belief for the hope. fight. It, uh, hope. hope, yeah, hope, yeah. And I said, hey, you should donate like a million to the show. And he looked at me and goes, <laughs> yeah. anyway. Uh, we certainly appreciate your help. If you could uh, consider going to dvorak.org/na, keeping the show on the air, uh, and I'm just. I am. Here's my hope. I'm hopeful that people were holding back for the 11, 11, 11 weeks that we got coming up here with 11, 1, 11 and 11, 11, 11. And Dvorak.org slash NA is the place where you can uh, go to find out as long uh, along with uh, ChannelDvorak.com slash NA and uh, NoAgendaNation.com. And No Agenda producer update is coming up. Hopefully they'll be talking about the Linux port project that I have. We'll see what they're talking about. Uh, that'll be on the live stream, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday coming to you from the uh, Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center. Well, I'm just waiting for the Euro Quick. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where the uh, I got no punchline for today's show, I'm John C. Dvorak. And we'll have that end of show clip first with uh, Lucy Napolitano. We'll be back on Thursday right here with No Agenda. I don't believe I've ever spoken with Eric Holder about Fast and Furious. How many, how many agents since you've taken office? How many of your agents have been killed in the line of duty? Oh, too many. Do you know? Do you have any number? Well, uh, I would I would have to double check, but I would say at least twelve. How many guns from Fast and Furious operation were detected crossing the border? I do not know. How many guns from Fast and Furious were seized at the border? I do not know. Why is it that an operation that big and that important and that much in the news, you don't have the details of? Well, uh, Representative, as you know, it was an ATF operation. In 2009, we know of two instances where ICE ceased investigating at the request of the ATF. Are there any other instances where 
you were asked, your department, your agency was asked not to pursue cases that potentially had a conflict with Fast and Furious. In the wake of your investigation of Fast and Furious, I've been made aware of those two ICE instances. I don't think I've been made aware of any others. Let me go to testimony that you had last week. Last week you were with Senator Grassley. You were asked about communication with Mr. Burke regarding Operation Fast and Furious. Question for Senator Grassley. Have you had some communications? Your response, and I'll read it very quickly. No, not about Fast and Furious. When Agent Terry was killed, it was December 14th. I went to Arizona a few days thereafter to meet with FBI agents and assistant U.S. attorneys who were actually going to look for the shooters. At the time, nobody had done forensics on the guns, and Fast and Furious was not mentioned. You went on to say, but I wanted to be sure that those responsible for his death were brought to justice and that every DOJ resource was brought to bear on the topic. So I did have conversations, and it would have been December of 2009, I think you meant December of 2010, about the murder of Agent Terry. But at the point in time, nobody knew about Fast and Furious, so that's a different question. And yet we have documents that show, and this is a quote, uh, an urgent firearms trace requested by ATF agents on the scene to determine that these firearms came from Fast and Furious. Why is it that you, as a Secretary of Homeland Security, with one of your agents dead on the scene, did not get briefed about Fast and Furious? I do not know. How is that acceptable? Do you think that they withheld that information from you? Or is it your responsibility to actually find that information? Well, I think the focus, uh, Representative Chaffetz, is we had a dead agent, uh, and a dead agent killed uh, in a very rugged area of Arizona. And the number one thing that was on uh, my mind uh, when I went out there was to make sure uh, that the appropriate resources were being dedicated to that investigation. But you have guns from Fast and Furious that are found on the scene. You testify here just last week that there was no knowledge of Fast and Furious at the time, that the forensic, you went out of your way to say the forensics weren't done. And yet that's not true. That's I, not true. I, I'm, I'm not going to comment on that. I don't know the document to which you refer. What I can say and what I think is fairly clear from the context is I was speaking to my knowledge at the time and I did not know about Fast and Furious. Did you direct or was there any direction from your department and agency to allow the guns to go across the border that were involved in Fast and Furious? Fast and Furious was an ATF operation. So you, if the, your agents detected weapons going south across the border, you just let them go because it was an ATF operation? Um, as the two incidents you refer to, the two ICE incidents, uh, I, I think, reveal, uh, is uh, when they ran gun, picked up guns and ran them or asked ATF to e-trace them, uh, ATF came back and said, these are part of a larger operation, stand down. After the second incident in which that occurred, uh, that matter was taken by the ASACs to the assistant U.S. attorney, which is common. That happens in the field. And the assistant U.S. attorney said that the ATF operation would take precedence. So was it the Department of Homeland Security's policy to allow guns to go south into Mexico if they were involved in Fast and Furious? I'm looking for a yes or no. No. How is it that you can make a claim that the border is now more secure than ever, and yet the Obama administration purposely allows more, nearly 2,000 guns to be released, knowing that they're going to go to Mexico with hundreds of people killed by those weapons, two dead U.S. agents, and yet you don't even know if we've detected even one of those guns. In fact, on, on January 14th, you did detect somebody in New Mexico. There were eight guns found. They didn't even run a trace on them, and you let those guns go into Mexico. 
I find that absolutely stunning. And for you to have two dead agents and have never had a conversation with Eric Holder about Fast and Furious and about this area is totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. How much time has expired? The Mr. Chairman, I know Representative Chaffetz has his opinion on this matter, as, his, as the tone of his question reveals, but I simply would uh, suggest that no one takes the deaths of agents more seriously than I. Uh, and also that one of the reasons uh, that we have not directly dealt with the Attorney General on this is he very quickly and appropriately put this matter in the hands of the Inspector General. Thank you. And the Chairman from Arkansas, Mr. Clip of the day. I'm very excited here because I am about to meet yet a producer of the No Agenda show. Gavin, how are you? In the morning to you, mate. I'm very well. In the morning to you too. It's the first time I've had a public in the morning with someone I haven't met before. And I, look, I didn't always expect to find a No Agenda fan at a, uh, a sceptical event. Well, I am a, a born-again sceptic. I'm a former federal agent for the Australian Federal Police. Oh, I thought, of course. You know? I mean, all, look, all, all the, the sysadmids and the, you know, the dark ops people listen to the No Agenda show. I'm definitely dark ops. I specialise in surveillance. Get out. And, and I'm waiting for my drone. I want my drone. Do you know if we've got any drones operating in Australia or we can't afford them yet? Can't tell you. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and look, well, why are you here at Skeptic Camp today? Are you doing a bit of a dark ops for ASIO here today or are you here on your own now? I'm here to try and pick up a few t- tips on the cryptography, which we just uh, we just listened out on, and drop a few business cards. And by the way, I got a business card, and it's got the No Agenda Show logo on there. You, you're propagating the formula. Yes, I, I like to propagate the formula as much as I can. Hit them in the mouth. Look, and tell me, how did you discover the No Agenda Show? I was listening to Twit, as, you know, This Week in Technology, sorry. I heard John C. Dvorak mention it, and I've been listening since the early teens. Yeah, look, same here. I heard it on Twitter. I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. I hadn't heard of Aaron, Car- I hadn't heard of Adam Curry, and uh, it's quite a combination. It, it certainly doesn't meet the standard of evidence that most skeptics would feel the show needs to meet. But in some ways, that's not important. It's the ideas that are out there. Absolutely correct. And I like to break down the memes and listen, watch, and well, that's what I've been doing since I was a, a young fellow in the army. Yeah. I joined the army and, and went to a, an armoured reconnaissance unit, and I only believe what I can see, which is why I'm here at Skeptic Camp. Because a lot of skeptics get angry when I suggest that they have listened to Noah because they find the show long, they, they find it trivial, and they find it, frankly, crackpot. And, you know, I, I don't mind hearing some crackpot. You've got to, you've got to, to balance your crackpot and your buzzkill. So, yep. yeah, with those two, it, it is just the dog's bollocks, it really is. Look, look, what's your favourite bit of the show? I, I'm a fan of the second half of the show. I always love, I love the bits where, you know, uh, we talk about the opening of the Stargate with all the fish coming out. I'm just interested in being exposed to ideas that might be considered crackpot. I love it. I do too. I do. I, I like. I like to temper my uh, my logical side with a little bit of fun and crackpottery. Because mm. sometimes you know, if you get too you know, too intense and sceptical, you can sort of disappear up your own beard, can't you? Indeed, you can. Indeed, you can. <laughs> In the morning to you. In the morning to you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dot org slash na.